Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pact, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. Earthpack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Just live. We believe a life is meant to be lived to its fullest potential. In order to do that, you need to feel at your best, both physically and mentally. We founded this community to share what we found as professional athletes that can help people of all walks of life. So you can go out and do exactly what you're supposed to do. Just live. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. We're in beautiful Santa Cruz. On location. On location. We traveled up north. Yeah, I love it. Surf City number two. Ooh. Surf City number two. That's right. <laughs> hey, we got another madman from Santa Cruz. He holds two world records for big waves. 55-footer at Mavericks in 2010 and a 61-footer in 2012 at Cortez Bank. That's crazy. Fuck. Has it been crazy. beaten? We'll, we'll get into that later. All right. And he survived a life-changing head and broken neck injury, which resulted in a massive traumatic brain injury known as TBI. And he also found out through a SPECT brain scan that he also had endured multiple other minor and serious concussions over the years from riding big waves. Yeah. That's not, that's not fun. That's why I don't surf big waves. I mean, you're kind of an idiot, yeah. crazy motherfucker no, to yeah. be charging <laughs> big waves. No, anyway. they're, they're, they're awesome. But through yeah. his experiences and personal stories, he's helping others as a motivational speaker about overcoming fear and signs of concussion symptoms. And he has a passion for photography, as we see some of these collectors, uh, collective uh, old school cameras in here. I, I like pretty bitching. And he's into art, and he's a seasoned fucking vet in surf repping in the Santa Cruz NorCal area. Like, yeah, OG. Right he's not here. doing too bad. He's not doing too bad. <laughs> um, working for uh, Salty Crew Reef Creatures and Otis and many other brands. We'll find out. Um, but man, we welcome the fucking one and only Sean. Dollar, 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 dollar bills, y'all. Dude, thanks, boys. Thanks for coming in. This is awesome. Yeah, I know. We we um we tried to connect last year at the Surf Ranch, you know, and I was too busy getting tubed. I know. You were stop the momentum. Yeah, but thanks to Kelly Swanson from On the Beach, and um he was gracious enough to hook us up, and we tried to you know lock you in there. But I understand you're. You're eating, you're surfing, getting barreled. You're eating, surfing, getting barreled. Yeah. I yeah. mean, 
You gotta have your priorities straight. <laughs> 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 chalky? Yeah, we were on the back burner for that one. <laughs> definitely the priority was shredding that but, day. But yeah. I mean, there's so much great talent like yourself up here in Santa Cruz, and 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 we've talked about doing a, a road trip up here and trying yeah. to knock out a, a couple of um, you know podcasts. And again, thank you, Kelly Sorensen. I did. Yeah. For hooking us up with Sean Dollar yeah. Dollar Bill. I did. I said yeah. that. Did you? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Say but, it again for Kelly. Yeah, yeah. He, he wants to hear it. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. So we're in uh, your showroom, which... Um, in beautiful Santa Cruz again. Yeah. What an amazing showroom. He's got uh, overhead here in the rafters some of the most uh, prolific surfers in our history. You got Machado, you got Parco, you got Slater, you got Skin Dog. Andy Irons. Andy Irons. Matt Young. Yeah. Matt Young. Parco. You say Parco? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, now, did you buy these or did they gift you or a combination? Um, I bought them over time. I mean, nobody really wants to give these boards away. So. No, no kidding, yeah. But, you know. But you're Sean Dollar, bro. I, you still don't give <laughs> Come on. Yeah. They have a value to them. And so yeah. Yeah, over time, it's just. That's, paid for them and they're they mean a lot to me and it's like That's especially cool. like that andy iron signboard yeah i think it's incredible it's like my favorite surfer ever and you know i don't know what it's worth but it's worth a lot to me yeah you know? it's all that matters and That's, okay I mean, so let's start at the beginning where'd you find the love of surfing uh it was a young kid my dad surfed he's from san clemente um moved up here had me and my brother and would take us boogie boarding or surfing and I was just hooked man like I remember my first wave at Cal's Beach um, paddled out how old were you I must have been around seven probably pretty young it's one of my earlier memories yeah and, um, I'd been boogie boarding before that and we finally got my dad to take us out surfing and it was like my little brother was kind of nervous, wanted my dad right there, and I was tired of waiting, so I just paddled out. <laughs> and it's cows, it's the easiest wave ever. And I just remember like catching white water and standing up on my first wave, which was amazing, and just being absolutely hooked. Like, what kind of, what I, kind of board? Like I have a, no idea. Like a mini longboard or just I, a, a six, eight kind of mini, you know, because everybody... I, don't, I really don't know, I was yeah. so young, it's like that part doesn't, I just remember that you mean paddling out, Taking a wave, standing up my first wave, and just being like, I'm doing this. This yeah. is it. You know? Just yeah. seven years old, you said? I would guess. I think yeah. it's around that. That's yeah. amazing. Um, and you boogie boarded before? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, whatever I could do. Boogie boarding. So. Yeah. Goofing off in the water. So did you get mad at your dad after you found out he's from St. Clemente and moved you up here? <laughs> no way. I'm so stoked you did. No, totally. I mean, hey, I, I do. We spent all my summers in San Clemente, San Clemente's the sickest place too. Like yeah. if you had to be in one or the other beach towns, no that's the Southern California beach town you want to be, I feel like. I mean, the, the, the three cities that we think of surf towns is Huntington Beach, Santa Cruz, and San Clemente. Yeah. Like if you come from those three areas and you're a good surfer, you're most likely to be a really great surfer. Yeah, I mean, there's tons really of lucky. waves along the coast and great towns, but like as far as, you know, putting on the map with events and yeah. talent that's come out of those specific spots. I mean, that's... As you write your life story, 
you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Kind of what puts it on the, on the, on yeah. yeah. I mean, when you think about the cluster of, you know, oh, dude, Santa Cruz professional has... surfing, like those are the three places that you're like, yeah. holy shit, like there's a ton of fucking talent that comes out of here. Yeah, and Huntington's by far the least, you know, killer <laughs> surf spot compared to Lowers and... T Street and Riviera. And, oh, I think you're gonna say least talent. No, like <laughs> I mean, Huntington's consistent. You know, we get waves pretty yeah. much all the time, and it gets really good. But it's a beach break, you know, and you yeah. get up here, whatever. Like you know, San Clemente has reef spots, and obviously lower yeah. and up here is tons of. So I'm just jealous of the waves <laughs> you guys get. It's crazy. Waves. Yeah. It's so diverse too. Yeah. Like you guys have so many nooks and crannies, yeah. like. Yeah. I'm sure you have secret spots on top of secret spots. Not not as secret as, as before, but yeah. yeah, still fickle places. And I mean, you're like, whoa, that could be breaking today. We get pretty spoiled. I mean, I turn down a lot of good waves because I'm just like, eh, not that. And yeah. if my friends on the East Coast saw them or like some guy, you know what I mean? Like they'd be like, what? Like when I go yeah. to Southern California, I'm like, this is the days I don't want to surf. Yeah. You know, unless there's cranking south swell that you guys get and. Yeah. We don't, but yeah, we're really fortunate. We have a lot of waves up here. There's yeah. always something to find. Yeah. So, are you a West Sider? Uh, what is it? The West East Side, West Side. What's the What's the uh... You know, I guess if I I am more considered an East Sider for sure. But I grew up on the West Side. Went to elementary school there, and my parents were divorced young. And my dad lived in Pleasure Point, and my mom still lived on the west side. So, like, I did, like, Santa Cruz Junior Lifeguards. Um, like, my instructors were the Wormhouts and Mike Brummett and kind of that crew and did it with... So I grew up with all those Groms, all the young west side Groms, and then grew up with the east side Groms here, too. Yeah. So yeah. I was kind of going back and forth to both sides when both sides were kind of still gnarly and clashing and I was just like just a little kid just like had no clue like what the division what, yeah, is or like yeah. why is this a big deal you know <laughs> yeah and I think as you become a, a a better or a great surfer and you kind of bridge the gap because now yeah. you're, you're traveling you're competing you know like there's you, you kind of have to play both sides a little bit you know so you live yeah. on the cows uh, by cows I lived up by the university. Okay. So I would, um, as a little kid, ride my bike from practically the entrance of like UCSC down to the lane, and that was a lot of commitment. My, I think my mom didn't really want me to surf because she never <laughs> offered me a ride. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I figured they thought I would burn out on that. But it was like I don't. Know. Yeah. To me, it's crazy like this day and age because you can check the waves and know if it's worth it. I would yeah. put on my suit and ride that far and I was going in the water 
no, no matter, matter what. And then sometimes it would literally be flat and I'd be so bummed because I'd ride home in a dry wetsuit and just be like, it was so gross. Well, so you know there I mean? was times you turned around and just went well, home. Sometimes, yeah. I'd like, it was that bad. It was that bad. I'd like work my way up Westcliff trying to find something. And these like, kids are so spoiled today, man. Yeah. Like Surfline and e-bikes. And e-bikes and, and, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Um, now you're at your paddle. You put your suit on at home yeah. and you're going out. You're going out. Like, yeah. Unless no it's what. flat, which, you know, rare. It, it was rare, but it happened. Yeah. It happened more often than. But yeah, it was cool. I mean, I just was really lucky to kind of know both sides of, of town and, uh, and can, see can both sides. you go sides. back, like, so you're seven years old, you stand up on your first wave, you're hooked. And then did you get a, a board soon after? Or like, Yeah, home? my dad my dad got me a board pretty soon after, like, yard sale board. Um, funny thing is, like, I got such a sick, like, 80s board, airbrush, nice. glass on fins. We went to, like, a surf swap. I was so proud of it. Like my parents weren't paying attention, so and it was outside. So I went outside and like stood it up so I could look at it. Wind blew it over. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> my dad was so mad at me. He's like, I guess we're buying that now. Yeah, Ooh. I guess. Uh, well, it was just more like ding repair, and the yeah. ding was like pristine. Um, who who shaped it? Or I have no idea. Yeah, just full eighties like Potter, Cur- uh, uh, Carol graphic, or might have been Orion. Or, if, okay, but I. I was like so young. I don't yeah. know. It didn't. I was just psyched on anything, yeah. you know. And you bought it that. Yeah, my dad bought it, and then I, you know, really, I was buying boards off of the Smith brothers. So like, um, Russell and Tyler were. Hmm. Their dad was friends of my dad, and they were, I believe, riding Aero surfboards, but on like the Volcom team. They're older than me and just ripping and blowing up like yeah. little junior grommets destroying everything and so I got a hand-me-down from Russ and that was a killer board and just kind of you know just being a grommet surfing whatever you can get yeah and uh yeah and then yeah, yeah. We, we talk about the like yeah when regardless if your parents are super involved or not like usually those first few boards are just like whatever you can get your hands on you know yeah and then as you start progressing and you see what other kids or other people are riding, then you automatically know, okay, I need to get something like that, yeah. you know? And, and hand-me-downs are great, you know? Yeah. There are so many good surfers around that time, too, that I kind of remember the, the Smith brothers and then older guys, too, right? Like Josh Mulcoy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be paddling out Rat the lane. I'd be paddling out to the lane as a little kid and watching those guys just absolutely ripping and was so just tripping like yeah yeah because i was one i was showing up by myself nobody knew who i was and wasn't like part of like any crew yeah so i was just kind of like like this is amazing this is the coolest thing ever like they're ripping and then i actually met skin dog because i couldn't duck dive and i got washed over him like he was he was behind me and I, and I literally washed up on his head underwater, and he was, like, snapping on me. <laughs> of course he was. Yeah, he was being such Dude, a jerk. Seriously. And I was like, I was like, oh, I'm, like, super polite. I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. And he was like, then he gave me a quick duck diving lesson. and How cool. Yeah, because he realized I wasn't, like, being a, I just didn't know. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea to, like, use my foot. I was using my knee. Because Are you, like, eight or nine or? Probably at that point. 
junior high. Okay. So maybe like 11 or 12. Yeah. But yeah, that was cool. It was the first time I met him. Yeah, just his little rat and he was cool and, and then we were kind of started a friendship then since because then I was friends with Short Dog, um, one of the grommets around here and he was really good friends with Skinny and anyway, Skinny and I were still, I mean he's one of my best friends, we're super close but it was nice. crazy how like that relationship was started when I was like really young. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah, and you kind of, you know, you're when you first start you're and you're not really from the area and all these kids have grown up in the area and luckily your your dad was friends with the Smith brothers so you kind of have a friendship with them right yeah and I was doing junior lifeguards with all yeah. those guys and stuff but I, I didn't live like right by the beach so I wasn't like cruising on my bike the lane yeah. like when yeah I you weren't surfing. hanging out outside of surfing because you were kind yeah. of I just from rode away. my bike to the lane and surfed, and then I rode home. Yeah. yeah. So that guy keeps showing up. It's kind of yeah, like him. yeah. He's not part of our crew. And that's yeah. the thing that's kind of you know. Yeah. It's daunting when when you're like a young kid, but you're like still you're gonna do it no matter what. But you know you have guys like Skin Dog that you accidentally, you know, yeah. land on top of, and you're like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then during that same time, I was I was mainly living at my mom's house on the west side. And then my dad lived in Pleasure Point at that point, um, really close to the ocean, like a block away on 34th Avenue. And so on the weekends, I would be there in the point. So that's where I like really kind of got acclimated and hung out with the kids and yeah. that. So What a great place to... Yeah, I was going to... Yeah, as a grom, like not knowing all the spots or, you know, obviously you could see a wave, oh, that long, you know, point break, oh, that's killer, but... Not really knowing, you know, the yeah. area, and then you're just plopped down in front of yeah. one of the best waves. You're like, how fortunate. So who was, fortunate. Who, who, do you remember who kind of ruled Pleasure Point back then? Yeah, it was definitely, like, Benji Jameson. Um, I mean, without a doubt, and like, his crew, all the Point Boys. Hmm. Shane, and, I mean, there was a long list, like, Tad kind of goes on and on, but they were ruling. They were yeah. in their late 20s, early 20s, and just, like, full of testosterone and shred, you know. Yeah. Pretty, pretty heavy locals, though. Heavy locals, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, being that we, like, lived on that street and we're grommets, they were always super nice and cool yeah. to us unless we got out of line. Yeah. But they were still intimidating, you know. Um, Which are great to have out in the water. Yeah. You know, guys <laughs> like that, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, especially when you get under their wing. They do the dirty work and you just yeah. reap benefits. <laughs> yeah. Let the grom go! <laughs> Yeah. Go paddle. There isn't a hint of that anymore. Yeah. But yeah, it was, um, that was definitely like in the prime of like, Flea was, had his West Side logos. Yeah. Aaron was doing like, you know, West Side and then East Side, the Point Boys were doing their thing and people didn't, people didn't surf like either side, but I was like going back and forth. Like, I remember like funny story, my dad got, or somebody gave me a West Side, it must have been my mom, gave me a West Side, Arrow West Side sweatshirt for Christmas. I was stoked. And I went to my dad's house and was wearing it and went down to check the waves. And I didn't even get like half a block down the street where I got sent home. <laughs> Better change that sweatshirt, Grom. What are you thinking? <laughs> like they were ready to like string me up. 
but you know, I still I was just dumb kid. Didn't that know. is funny. So, can you tell us who the West Side was and who the East Side was? Like, which particular dudes? Like, yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it was. I mean, you, you can picture all of them, but it was like Skinny Rat Flea, you know, all those guys, and then then there's the, like the younger Groms underneath them, which, and then there's Loya, the Wormhouse. Yeah, uh, Julian Secon. Julian Secon was on East Side. Omar Hennard. Omar, yeah. yeah, Omar. Those were East Side uh, guys. Um, oh, Omar Echeverry? Yeah. Is that, is that his name? Yeah, I mean, dude, there were, they, both sides were so thick with great surfers yeah. and talent. And, um, you know, and they, for the most part, I mean, when you were in, they all looked out for you and were good guys, you know? I mean, we never got, we were just kids, but we never really got trouble from any of those guys yeah. it's just it was always like they're just patrolling their neighborhoods or their yeah. spots yeah I think localisms I mean it's still a thing but it was way different back then and we talk about that almost yeah. in every episode almost every because episode. it's part of our culture and it's part of growing up and yeah. everybody's and sometimes we, we wish it was still around yeah <laughs> sometimes yeah. yeah but um you know it's yeah once you're once you're in the mix you know yeah once you're accepted and in the mix, it's not like a, a gang or, an, you know, but, you know, you're surfing out there on a regular basis. They know yeah. you are. You rip. Yeah. You're going to you're gonna be good. You know, it's all respect. It's all about knowing your placement in the water. Yeah. Yeah. There's just hierarchy and a pecking order. That's it. Yeah. For guys like myself who came from inland coke, like, you know, <laughs> starting to try to get into the lineup and work my way into being able to get my own waves... That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. You know? That's a hard thing to do. Like, it, it, takes, it takes time and, like, a lot of frustration and, like, but, you know, once that feeling, once you feel comfortable in the lineup with the dudes you've kind of been looking up to or, or know, like, oh, yeah, these guys kind of, you know, control the area. And then when you get accepted by those guys, you're like, oh, killer. And, they, and they're, they're all all talk and no bite, no bite. Most <laughs> yeah. of the guys, yeah, right. But uh, I, you know, we're, I was luckily enough to grow up at the pier, you know, in Huntington. I was he spoiled. was one of the assholes. No, but <laughs> talking about the older yeah. older crew, it, it was like, and I can, I remember vividly being like eleven, twelve, and there'd be like a good swell, and there's the outside peak and bowl, and they they'd tell me to like be it, go hang, you know, get on the kitty bowl. Like they wouldn't even. Except me out on the like peak, yeah. Like the you know the proper. I'm like, wait, what? They're like, yeah, beat it, Grom. Like, get on the inside. Like that. That was the yeah. love I got for a while, and then finally you get you know you know because we would you know south swell. You get all the current coming from the pier, and you got the you know north side bowl. And as a kid, you didn't want to get cleaned up by sets, so we paddle out, and you you know sets are coming. And you kind of paddle in, and you know make sure you're kind of dodging, and yeah. and then you know finally get to like your your. I'm taking off in the yeah. pool. It's, so, it's not about me, though. Yeah, it's not about you. Yeah. So did you finally, when did you start doing comps? Um, I did comps pretty young. I mainly did a lot of the Christian surfers contests mm-hmm. because they were more affordable, and there was a lot of them back then. CSA? Christian Surfers so. Association yeah. or CSA and CCSAs, and which was Calvary CBA. Chapel, and then CBA. Yeah, yeah there I was three. I remember doing a lot more of those. Yeah. Um, just because entry fee was less. Entry and fee was way less. They fed you. They fed you. <laughs> and it was like, 
it was always at the point and it was like easy. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of support for contests, like with my parents, like they weren't paying my entry fees and they weren't trying to get me to any contests. And so I had like one really important experience that like I still taught. I mean, I'll never forget. Like I got invited, all my friends were doing the NSSA comps, right? And I think it was like back then it was like $90 entry fee and it was a lot for a Grom and my parents didn't want to pay for it. So, and I got invited with um, some good friends of mine, the Manzes, um, to go. Their kids were doing it and it was like down in Ventura and all my friends were doing comps and I was like really wanted to go do an NSSA comp. And so I, parents said no, they're not going to pay for it. So I like, I was always mowing lawns or doing something work. So I took like my little savings, was like, okay. I'm going down there and um, paid the entry fee, like had to pay for my food. I think the man's is, I never told them my parents weren't going to pay because I was embarrassed. So they like wanted help with like gas money and all. So I paid for like the trip. First heat, lose. You know? And I was like, I wasn't very good at contests. Yeah. So it just, it just was crushed. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it cost. It worked hard. Yeah. Save up money. You're excited, you get a ride, you're stoked, you, yeah. you get down there, and then... Yeah, and I would be like, okay, we're going to go eat at McDonald's. I'd be like, what's the cheapest thing on the menu? <laughs> yeah. And I just kind of was like... And you, you'd already lost? I'd already lost, and it, but it was a great... I had fun, don't get me wrong. But I realized, like, you know, to be a professional athlete or competitive you need assistance and help as a kid and yeah my parents wanted me to go to school my parents wanted me to get good grades and they didn't want me to be any like a surfer like that yeah so i realized like your dad was a surfer my dad was a surfer and he didn't not want me to be a surfer i just they support they just i could just tell like that wasn't really part of their game plan their game plan for me did they push other like sports like you know more um team sports stuff or they let me, um, or just school academic, academic. It was a lot of academic. Yeah. They'd support me if I wanted to play soccer and all this stuff. It's just, I tried like most every sport Yeah. because I really wanted to find something else besides surfing, but I couldn't replace it. I yeah. just love surfing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that experience just kind of taught me like, I don't mind working hard. I don't mind making money. I don't mind paying for things myself, but like I could have bought a board. I could have bought things that I really needed yeah. versus like losing a contest. And even like the Vulcan, the Vulcan contests like were free and I would yeah. do those. I would do terrible on them. Like I would, <laughs> like it was like, thank God those things are free. Cause yeah. hey, it who, would be like, Jay Larson right here? No. <laughs> yeah, so it just, it just kind of was like, okay, like I, surfing just needs to be fun for me. And it always was. Yeah. And that's all, even when I surf big waves, like later it, I never tried to be a professional surfer. I just love surfing. Yeah. And so... So that that experience kind of changed your mind about competitive surfing or... Um, yeah, because what was starting to happen was we were seeing my friends like... Bud Freitas is a great example and a really good friend of mine. We grew up on the street together and he is still such an incredible surfer. Yeah, so good. But like he was on track to become a professional surfer. Yeah. yeah. And some of my other friends were too, but it was just never on that track. Yeah. Like groomed and, and, uh, yeah. and mentored or, or 
support family, you know, like... Yeah, so family wasn't supporting yeah. me, a sponsorship wasn't supporting me like that. So did, did you ever get sponsored? I had some sponsors, um, like El Nino. No remember way. that brand? They yeah. sponsored me. Like, I kind of remember that brand. Yeah. I'd say Is that like, a Santa Cruz brand? No, they were from um, San Diego. Okay. But just funky little sponsors like that. Yeah. And then when I was like more in college, Kurt Fry sponsored me for Von Zipper. Kurt Fry? Big yeah. C? Him and I were total buds. Yeah. Like even when I was like young and like later high school, college, because I'd just show up to his sample sales and just like wouldn't leave. Yeah. So, so he was always cool to me. But yeah, so I never really had, I didn't have like a Billabong sponsor or stuff like that when I was young. Yeah. And so I... No sir shop like what was like what was no. your like hangout like because everybody has like a shop well, or two or you know kind of yeah it's it's interesting like that because that's really like a lot of people's stories but like being on maybe it was like being on from both sides and you know the, in Pleasure Point when I was a kid there was literally like thirty grommets and most of those grommets like really weren't sponsored by a surf shop yeah because there's too many too many good kids, kids. yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent. So, yeah. like, where do you start? And I was, like, at the middle, bottom of that pecking order for sure. So, it, I don't know. It it was just, like, it was so apparently clear to me that, like, my parents wanted me to go to college. And I didn't mind working that hard. And I didn't mind going to school. And I spent my summers working. When I got into high school, I spent my summers working construction jobs and, um, I was operating like bulldozers and compactors through wow. the family business and I'd live like um, Fresno for a summer, Modesto for a summer, like on these job sites. Wow. Once was Fort Hunter Liggett and I'd make like a ton of money. Yeah. But my parents would take it and then put it towards like a car payment or college or college, yeah. yeah. Or so I never you? like had a bunch of money, but I was like Yeah, like a good work ethic though. Yeah, but I, yeah, because well, that and, and responsible parents that kind of yeah. knew you would, you know, like most kids blow all their money or, you know, yeah. like no yeah, surf trips. So it taught me, like, I kind of always had what I wanted, but I also earned everything yeah. that I had. But I also didn't mind that because it was like I wasn't relying on, yeah. you know, somebody giving me something, you yeah. know? But yeah, so it was fine. But I was stoked for my friends watching them all turn pro and killing it. And I just loved again love surfing and just surfed as much as I could did yeah. you go on any like uh family surf trips like out of the country like you remember my dad would take me to and my brother to Baja all the time yeah it was epic like a drive or a fly yeah we'd uh go to San Clemente we'd usually spend at least like a month a summer in San Clemente Dang. and uh and then he'd usually take us down to Baja for a week or longer so nice. we'd sometimes drive to K38 sometimes we go to San, what was it? Punta San Jose. Once we drove to Cabo. Yeah. Um, we did That's that a lot. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. It was really such cool. a good experience. And yeah. Yeah. back then, when it was, I don't know if it's safer or not, but it was definitely more accessible and easier to kind of like slide slide through, especially drive to Cabo. Like, was your brother into surfing like you guys were? Or? Yeah, he was super into surfing too. Yeah. Yeah, and how far apart are you guys? A year and a half. You're so okay. close, so pretty good rivalry. Yeah, yeah it was Push great. each other. Yeah, we shared all the same friends, did all the everything together. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. So uh, any surf trips to like Hawaii or? I didn't get to Hawaii till later, like in college. 
Um, yeah, so kind of stayed more just yeah. California. You're like blue collar, like hardcore surfer, but not comp- you, you, you kind of stopped competing, right? Yeah, I was just tired of losing. Yeah. <laughs> it got old. Yeah. Um, well, most of the events on the amateur side, it's it's youth-driven, you know? So, yeah. like, you know, as early as whatever, 8, 10 at, back then was real early. Now it's kind of, like, standard. But by by 16, you're kind of like, okay, I'm good, and I'm going to continue. Or you're done. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. you know. They're groomed. They, was, they were groomed back then, and there yeah. was moments. No high school surf team? What, what high school did you go to? We didn't even have a high school surf team. You're kidding. Santa Cruz That's at that age, which was too bad. I think you guys were just starting them in Southern California. Yeah. Um, Huntington had them for a long time. I yeah. didn't go to, I went to a private high school, but still, I don't really remember SoCal High and the other schools having like surf, surf teams. teams because they didn't have surf contests. Yeah. So it was, I don't know, it was just a different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if I could have been on a high school surf team, I would have because I was for sure. totally into that type yeah. of stuff. But. <laughs> it um, wasn't an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, Huntington, obviously, it's been around, like you said, a long time, but we were part of the, you know, CIF, you know, organization, which, you know, does, you know, we compete against a bunch of other high schools. Like, you know, we had a season. We had a yeah. competition. And we got that now, fun. which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like the kids in, up here have a lot of opportunities with their high schools to compete, and then they still have NSSA, but we still had more contests when yeah. I was a kid, but they were more different. Yeah. When so, did you start like getting into big waves? How old were you? Um, and where? Well, I guess to answer that question, like I was always into surfing the biggest wave that I could find. But, you know, when you're a kid, like even limited, at an, like an early age, early like, age, yeah, like because yeah, the, the lane gets freaking big. Like yeah, it can hold. So is. Like, where does well, it max out at pleasure? Where were your, your spots? At that point, like when I got to high school, I was main. My mom had moved to the Pleasure Point too, mm. so I wasn't surfing like the lane anymore. Okay. So I was always surfing Pleasure Point like as big as it got. Yeah. And I'd just always be out there on a shortboard. I didn't have like a proper gun. I yeah. mean, you start developing that stuff and getting it later, but I remember just being a grom and the big swell would hit, and all my buddies would. You know, you'd work their way down to Capitola or surf, get further in the bay. The waves yeah. get smaller, and I would just always just paddle out yeah. to the point. And um, With no hesitation. No, I loved it. Like it was like I was so. He's one of those guys. Yeah, yeah it was. Just, I cannot understand yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. It was yeah. just, it was just natural for me, I guess. But I never had like the right equipment, and it wasn't until. Was there other kids your age that you you were paddling out in those big days with? No. And there's probably only a handful of older dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, so Which because of junior guards and just growing up surfing, you, you were in these spots you know well. You knew like, hey, I could get in here, no worries. It's my leash breaks, my board breaks, or, or you just didn't care. You didn't think <laughs> about that. Uh like who, you know, because that's most people's, like Lennon's rational mind would be like, well, who's going to save me? Like, what happens if I break my leash? Or I never thought, it's like, no, I ain't going out there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just fit. You just wanted to charge. I just wanted to, I was just down to surf. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was surfing by myself when I was a little kid riding my bike the lane. And it was just like, I'll paddle up by myself to the point anytime. 
but there was always older guys out there. There was always people out. I was never by myself. But yeah. yeah, it was just something different with me. I just was stoked to pile out in, into it's bigger the big surfing. wave gene. I think some people yeah. have the big wave yeah. gene, and some yeah, you like have it or you like, don't. Like, yeah. it's really hard to develop. Yeah, like you could. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like when when I think about big waves, it's it's fucking crazy. It's a well, it's a different person, you know. Like it is when it gets to like you know, waves of consequence. You're like, how the fuck did this guy yeah. get past the the fear factor of yeah. you know what I mean? When you're yeah. sitting on the like, yeah, my hands will start sweating when I when I, <laughs> when I know that there's big waves and I get to a place yeah. and I look out and I see these you know, thinking about having to duck dive through yeah. waves like that and then. Yeah. Like the beatings. Oh my but it, god! But, it, but it's also you know he started surfing big waves. Like nobody just the the switch just goes off. It's kind of more of an organic long term process of like surfing paddling out. Okay, I handled that swell. I survived. Oh, you know that wave. Nice. And it, you kind of start yeah it building your house evolution. on like your mindset and it was an evolution. Yeah, and I was like, I was I so wanted to be like Flea or Peter Mel. Yeah, like I not their lifestyle but like I thought they were the most badass dudes like yeah. if I saw one of them you're like that's I was fucking... tripping like I just saw like Axel like you know Guns and Roses just drove by me you know what I mean yeah, like, yeah. those are my heroes well it's you know to, to give those guys props it's it's crazy because you, you are in a, a bubble of like supernatural talent to, to yeah. the surfers and big waves you know like you had a lot of you know when we talk about it there's a lot of fucking guys that ripped and a lot of fucking guys that charged. Yeah, there were. You know? From like even older generation than Peter Mellon and Yeah, and they were all accessible to me because I was surfing with them at the lane or the point and it was like they were right there. Like yeah. Did and you rip small waves and so you're like, Well yeah. there's nothing different about And they're in the surf videos yeah. and they're in the fucking magazines. You know, there's there's like superstars. Yeah, you know. Do you remember like your first step up or like bigger board outside of your shortboard like wave? Like remember getting a? Yeah, I started getting from Arrow was, I would say Arrow was like my first sponsorship, and um, Bob has always been good to me. I love Bob Pearson. Yeah. And we, me and my brother, would go in his factory and and just harass like we we're just grommets, but they just like Shiloh Steinfeld. <laughs> probably butchering his last name like work there and would just like have anxiety attacks when he's walking so we'd just be like just psyching so hard just zinging yeah and we'd be like is my board done what's that one who's that one for yeah and then we'd be touching everything and we'd change our lambs like every day we'd go in and want new different lambs and he'd just like hey that's fucking important dude we just like what color fits you yeah I told you blue I want blue I would take the the order forms and then go home and make copies of them, and then and then redesign like because yeah. they had the shapes of the boards and like do different like graphics and yeah. pencil. It was that was fucking real deal. Yeah, and lambs. Skin was in there airbrushing, <laughs> and we'd change our like colors we'd want on our board like every time we went in, and they'd yeah. just be so sick of us. But, was Skin Dog airbrushing boards then? Yeah, he was yeah. airbrushing boards. Then. Yeah, and like I'm. I went to Cal Poly and studied art, and I thought what Skin Dog was doing in there was insane. Like getting to go in his airbrushing bay and yeah, great art right there. Yeah, yeah, dude, 
Yeah, it's pretty impressive. So really impressive. So step up. I want to talk so about step like up. First, so yeah. really, honestly, like what it came down to was the jump to like big waves was I was at Cal Poly um, and became really good friends with um, Sage Finch. And him and I would surf the waves down there together. And then every time it would get big, there's a few really big waves in that area, like south of Big Sur. They're like proper big waves. Um, everywhere else would be closing out. Like there's no place down there that holds big swell, like a mouse swell. And so I'd be trying to find something to surf, yeah. you know? And it was just like always a struggle. And he would always be like, get yourself like a Mavericks gun and I got places you can go surf. Because he'd be like, how long did you drive around today trying to find something to surf? Like, oh, I drove around like four or five hours and I surfed the inside of the harbor at Morro Bay and it was terrible. And he's like, well, I scored. Like, you need to get a, like a proper gun. So I had Bob shape me like a Mavericks board. And that next winter when I was down in Cal Poly, um, started surfing big waves. And that's where it started. You started surfing big waves in proper big waves down in San Luis, uh, San Luis Obispo. Wow. Yeah. So you never did Mavericks or? Not at that time? Not at that time, no. I was scared to death of Mavericks. <laughs> Thank I, God he said he was scared to death. I, I was. I, really? I was scared to death. It was like, it was like bucket list. Like, I got to do it. I want to do it one day. But I was like so scared it was like never going to happen. So you were secretly training down <laughs> in Central Coast. I was in insanely tough badass training and thought I was in total pussy camp. Yeah. Like I really thought everything we were doing down there, like we were in some seriously gnarly, nasty waves, like some big, and I, the whole time I'm like, this is nothing because it's not Mavericks. Yeah. This is nothing, it's not Mavericks. And the guys at Mavericks are way heavier. Like they, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and yeah. that's what we thought. If you thought you're wussing out there, your, your, your dream of surfing Mavericks was never going to And I thought like, we were in proper big waves, and I thought we were not in proper big waves the whole time. How big? We were surfing 30, 40 foot waves at times. How many people out? Like, Two or three, five? Yeah, maybe. Wow. Yeah. And they're it, just sketchy, dude. They're like in front of rocks. Slabby like, yeah. and barrel. That one, I know. Like most of them are closeouts. Like the whole rule of like some of the waves were, okay. If and you're you, paddling in, right? Yeah. Like. Yeah, and you're by yourself out in the middle of the ocean, like rocks in front of you and like most waves are closeouts and if you think it's not a closeout 50% it's a closeout and if you think for sure you're gonna make it you might make the wave wow. so it was like it was and it was all lefts which I'm a regular foot so it was like you're looking at rocks <laughs> dude it was just like it was so savage but it was what you got you know yeah and um, fast forward like I was working with skin dog and went to Mavericks and it was intermission of the contest and we'd be I was working for skinny for like two years and sub repping as a sub rep okay um, and after college or this was after college okay so it's hard because every blend big waves and work kind of blend in yeah uh, can I can I ask you yeah real quick? so you went to San Luis Obispo for art yeah I started in construction management mm. I was gonna do the family business and I was miserable on those construction jobs I really didn't like it and so I kind of realized my second year that I should at least 
do something I'm, I enjoy. And they had a really good graphic design department down there. So I, I did graphic design and graduated in 2004 from Cal Poly in graphic design. And so I thought I was going to come out and do like freelance art. And um, Were you an artist in high school and I, junior Yeah, high? I would always draw and, and do art. Yeah. And I was really good at it. but And I really wanted to like join like the O'Neill Inc. design team, you know? Like yeah. they're doing in NHS here, like Novak's yeah. company, like the screaming hands from Santa Cruz. Like there's so much insane graphic art from this town. So yeah. I was like, the whole time growing up, that's what I was inspired to do. Yeah. So you're, I was gonna... The brands you're, you're, you love, the brands that are iconic are, are like, visualize, you're here. Like you yeah. see them every day and you're proud yeah. to wear those brands and but, that's where you want to But that wasn't work. your first plan, right? Your first plan was to take over your family business. At that point, yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> the parents' plan. Yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't my dad's, that was my stepdad's business and there was a divorce. My mom and him weren't together anymore and I was in college just going like, I'm on this like path that really isn't mine, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't really, like, it doesn't matter anymore, you know? Like I need to really do what I want to do. Yeah. And it was great. I mean, it, it was... Um, Graphic design is awesome. It's just a very challenging business to be in because I found like after college I did freelance work um, that your your selling art is like we're all sales reps, right? Like we can sell a pair of sunglasses as MSRP, shorts as an MSRP. Like nobody's price your art. To price your art opens a huge door where people one they never value it for the amount of time you put in like they want to undercut it all the time yeah and they're always negotiating they're always haggling you and i was like this is insane like i spent so much time on this and i'm getting paid like yeah if you were to calculate your hourly investment well, for, into that it's for, like forever you know, all i ever knew was it was 250 dollars a design that you would get paid yeah and you might have spent like yeah, you know, doesn't matter how long is on it. If they bought it, it was two hundred fifty bucks. And then they'd always well, we when we talk to people. Yeah, yeah, and so I guess I realized like I was watching my friends like Kurt Fry and Skin Dog and like doing really good selling a product, yeah. and I realized like I'm gonna be I love art, and I was gonna get really really sick of it at the rate of yeah. disappointing conversations I was having with yeah. people that I was like I just want to go sell because I realized I was really in sales it wasn't necessarily an yeah. artist artist I'm a salesman now yeah. I'm selling myself selling your I'm selling this thing that like just yeah. drove me nuts so I was like I need to get into sales like I need to just get into a product yeah. and then do art but, for fun but before when you, you you pivoted to an art degree or whatever you want a graphic artist right and then you graduated with that, and then in your mind you're like, I'm going to be a freelance, or maybe work for O'Neill, or maybe work for NHS, or... Yeah, I just, uh, I had a couple companies that I was working for out of college that, for freelance, that allowed me not to have to take a job mm. right away. And so I did that for, whether it was six months or a year out of college, but then kind of had that idea that I wanted to... Um, be in the surf scene. Be in the surf scene. Be a rep. I really. Yeah. Kurt Fry and I were close. I was loved what he was doing. I loved his lifestyle, and he was like just a rad dude. And it was like, 
I want to do that. I want to do that. Yeah. And so he's not all that. <laughs> Sign me up. Just kid, Big C. Yeah, Big C's awesome. So, um, but he wouldn't ever give me a job. Really? <laughs> no. Well, he had Todd Mady at he the had time. Todd Mady. He didn't yeah. know me. But and I don't know if he took me seriously. I was just like, it was fine. And how did you guys connect through surfing? It, it actually started with going to a sample sales and I was size nine so it'd be like <laughs> I remember yeah he had DVS and he'd like the, the best brand ever it was the sick he'd, he'd have like bags of like white shoes white DVS shoes that he couldn't sell and he'd be like throwing them away and I'd be like what you're throwing these away like they all fit me give me up you know and I was like and anyway. did he make you work, work, work it off, or you just no? He was gonna throw them away because he was like tired of carrying them around. You know, you know, oh, like sometimes we have to throw away samples. Like I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't have the storage or whatever. It's yeah. crazy because you know, I worked with Kurt Fry at yeah. BBS at that time. Probably that time when you met him, um, and it was the fucking hey day. Yeah, he was killing yeah. it, killing it, killing it. And he had at the time. DVS, Arnett, or was he already Von Zipper? He was doing Arnett then, and yeah. then while doing DVS, switched to mm-hmm. Von Zipper. And I mean, and he was doing yeah. North. Those Wave. were lucrative fucking North Wave snowboard boots. Yeah, and North End boots. And he was probably doing a snowboard brand too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was on fire. On fire. On fire. Yeah. So, and I would surf with him all the time. Like he was my buddy. We'd we'd go to Moss and surf. Dude. And it was... I surfed Moss Landing with him once. It was fun, but you just felt like there's big, great white top <laughs> all over the place. Dark and here. Yeah. So uh, you, you guys bonded, like, as far as you, you admired his lifestyle, and you're just looking up to him, and you're like, how do I get into this How game? do I get into it? And so um, my first company that hired me was um, West Wetsuits. It was Justin Rutke. Um, West. West Wetsuits. Yeah. Out of West South. Yeah, and so I did that for like a year, and it was part of the same umbrella. Like, uh, eventually they gave me Creatures of Leisure too. They were out of the same yeah. warehouse, mm. so I was doing that. And then um, West Wetsuits just had some really like manufacturing issues, so like we delivered basically three twos instead of four threes, and <laughs> it was like I was so bummed. I was for like, for all this out territory. Hard. Yeah. yeah. I was, <laughs> Here's your, like, here's your July, August suits. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I was pretty chapped because I like totally committed. I was, you know, like we get paid on commission. Like yeah. My suit shipped. And, and you had to pay for samples, right? I bet my samples were free at that point. But yeah. just a big let Everything down. we shipped, which we crushed it. Like we opened up with a new wetsuit brand. We opened up all these accounts. People were into it, which it was, it wasn't easy. And then everything we shipped just got turned around into an RA. Yeah. And uh, I was pretty devastated. And I remember, and during that time, Skin Dog um, needed a sub rep. And so he asked me to be a sub rep. And I didn't want to quit that stuff. But then, luckily, I was starting to sub rep for Skinny. And Wes made that serious mistake. And I left him. Yeah, and it was like, and Skin Dog's like, that's probably it's time a, to a work for me full time for you to face that kind of challenge and overcome it. You are not, you not even overcome it, but like, no, it, no, that it it's not all gravy, and that yeah, shit hits the fan, like yeah. regardless yeah. of 
your fault or not. Like it's, it's one of those like life lessons where you're like, oh, you want to do this? All right, here you go. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're kind of killing it. Oh, no, you're not. Right? Yeah, like totally. it kind of humbles you. You're like, holy shit. But then yeah, it was. I mean, I paid for everything at yeah. that point, and I didn't have the money. I was like working for that check to hopefully come, and then no. never got. That's, never got paid. That's when you needed to buddy up with the SoCal rep and be like, look, I got an extra few hundred suits for you down there. <laughs> I would drive south. No, but that that's rough, you know? Like, yeah. And it, and that still happens today. All the time. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. it's not an isolated event. Oh, it was back in the day, and this, it, no shit, like, that happens all the time. Yeah. But I guess so, the good thing was is... It opened up the door. It opened up on. the door. Like, people, like, were like watched how hard I worked they yeah. knew that I was showing up I was developing relationships with shops and so you know so all these kids are always like how do we become a rep how do we become a rep and like the best way to become a rep is pick up any brand you can and go yeah. out there and try to sell it shake hands yeah. And, yeah. And, and show up and start at the surf shop right yeah, and yeah you gotta start familiar with the product get familiar with the reps and familiar you know yeah. hey don't give her a secret away guys yeah <laughs> but, but um but yeah, then Skin Dog grabbed me, and that was. Did you reach out to him, or he reached out to you, or? He's. I was at a, the Coconut, John Griffith's uh, Coconut Grove trade show. Nice. Had my own booth, and he's like, What are you doing, Grom? <laughs> he was like, You know, we were se- semi friends. He knew me, like. Yeah. And. Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing, picture? Grom? You're blowing it. The brands yeah. suck, you know. Like just yeah. ha- he just was heckled. it West still? Yeah, but he was just like, no, yeah. dude, everyone wears O'Neills and Hotline, blah blah. You know who knows what's yeah. he's saying? Yeah. He's saying all that stuff. And and I'm just like, and I just remember like Kurt would kind of heckle me too, and I tell him all the time like, well then hire me, hire me, hire bitch. me. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think either I said that to Skinny or Skinny was just like, hey, you need to come work for me. Was he just Volcom or did he have yeah, other he stuff? Yeah, he was doing just Volcom. Just Volcom. I mean, they, at they that time, fire everything on yeah. fire. And him and Anushka were really busy and they needed just help. Like, more like... Count Phil, visit, drop off. When yeah. Like, P.O.P. Like yeah. Merchandising. Yeah. High fives. Babysitting. Yeah. Babysitting and Skin scout. Dog. No, babysitting Skin Dog. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Yeah. You know... We so, won't get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, no. we'll let him get in on that take two. That was before GPS. I was uh, yeah. I was the GPS monitor for Skin Dog. Yeah. Uh, no, it was amazing. Like I got to cut my teeth with them and saw what like the real the business really looked like. I would go to sales meetings and meet Wooly and you know see what was like really doing it. And yeah. Even though I wasn't didn't wasn't getting my hands too dirty, I was still like right place, right time, and um, getting introduced to all the right people. And I just had a being surrounded by that coming from where you were at with a couple of small brands getting into like Volcom sales meeting and what Volcom was at the time and still is but it's like that's just eye-opening it's another it's a university for sure you know it's like all of a sudden you're I I hate to say big leagues but you're in the big leagues from from west (laughs) west wetsuits I wasn't on the bench anymore I was in the I was up to yeah. bat, like, the yeah. next thing that showed up, like, I and, have the opportunity kind of thing, like, eyes were on me. And I'm sure, like, as we know as reps, other brands come into the market, and who they're always going to try to go for the, the top dog, and most often, like, hey, I got Volcom, or I got this, I don't want it, but hey, my sub rep, you know, like, yeah. it's just, it's all about relationships and association, and, you it, know. It's lucky that 
you, you know, because there's so many people that they could have run into or given the sub rep job, right? Yeah, but I was so luckily fortunate. for you, right? You proved yourself somewhat with wet wetsuits, and they're like, "I'll give this guy a shot." That's right? totally what it was. Like, there people were watching me fail and not have a bad attitude, and I kept showing up and I kept trying to do my best, and that made a big impression. Yeah, and um, made an impression on a lot of the reps too. Like Skinny noticed and Kurt noticed, and yeah, um, isn't it? Know. Isn't it like trippy when you step on? Like when you do go to those sales meetings and how much business that you're doing and how business is done, right? Like the. They're talking numbers and like what's coming out and the Because it's a lines. real fucking business. Like yeah. that's, what, that's what blows me away sometimes too, because I'm not college educated at all, right? Yeah. And I, I work my way through working at a shitty surf shop to a better surf shop to the best surf shop. And then from there to the best shoe brand, right? Yeah. So I, I saw, I, I worked at a shop where I fell asleep all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it was a shitty yeah. little hole in the wall that I was like, what the heck? Like, but as I kept moving my way up, up the I was like, ladder. oh my gosh, like this yeah. is a crazy business. Business, like yeah. uh, a multi-billion dollar business right yeah and for you you're like what i pre-booked with west wetsuits <laughs> i did in volcom socks yeah kind of yeah you know like that's that crazy that's kind of like the difference it's, of, it's neat to talk about that kind of stuff because you're like whoa like yeah. we're surfers and but we're you know yeah in business we're businessmen yeah for and sure. it was pretty wild to see that because i was i love volcom still to this day it's that they're one of they're one of the best brands. They make incredible product, but I wasn't like a Vulcan guy growing up as a kid. Like they were way too wild for me. Yeah, I didn't identify with them. You know, like you know, yeah. like you kind of have like your brands. It's like, oh, I kind of relate to that brand. Yeah. So, I'd be at the sales meetings or like ASR, like in costume, and it was so much fun. But it was like, it wasn't really my personality. Right. So it was way out of my element. Like we'd be in Vegas and those guys would just be going bananas and I'd just be like, Oh my god, I have to do this. Like we're like you're on. Yeah. It's like I'm the sub rack. I didn't get a choice. Like now were you a partier? Like No. Yeah. I wasn't. So but I was you weren't for welcome, you're a partier. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have a choice. So that's what was I mean, it kept me out of a lot of trouble, but it was still like I was in the thick of it all and it was hard. Yeah. And that was like, um, for me, that was what like, I knew like working for Skinny wasn't like where I wanted to be. And um, it was it was definitely- Stepping stone, in your eyes is a stepping stone. It was a stepping you... stone, yeah. yeah. And, and But seeing that, seeing Volcom in its heyday and in its prime and getting a chance to be like part of that was like a really crazy special experience. Definitely. Yeah. Like going to ASR, raging as cavemen yeah going around at everything in the streets clubbing amazing. everything i enjoyed watching it oh my god every i yeah. was like dvs would be the next booth over every single yeah. time you know yeah yeah at surf expo would be 
I, we a have beer garden. Over under who's pulling out the beer first? Was it a Black Flies? Was it Volcom? Or was it DVS? Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. like, who's getting kicked out first? <laughs> and I mean, dude, how rad were those days? Like, I mean, so I fun. miss it was crazy. those ASR days. Like, they were so yeah. cool watching the industry get together and just send it. Yeah. And it, it's a celebration like of, of the industry in a way. And it's all... It's all you know, peers and it's all, you know, like shops and it's, it's a melting pot of everybody doing business. And it was so fun. Yeah. And you know, like what you said about Volcom, like Volcom is one of the only brands that really thought outside of the box. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Quicksilver and Billabong, it was like surf, surf jockey, you know, like, yeah, that kind of marketing right yeah athletes and blah blah, blah. <laughs> fucking Vulcan dude magma plasm and yeah uh, it was awesome yeah so awesome. it was dude, as a graphic designer like all their designs were so rad like yeah. it was just like straight out of so two years with skin dog you said you two years in? with skinny and and it came to the point where I really realized how much I love that brand because it they could send it like just rage and party and then they'd show up and work their butts off and that's what like when you talk about like the inner workings everyone at Vulcan works super hard but you really didn't know it from the outside you think that these guys are just a bunch of derelicts just sending it and it was like a really I learned a ton being there and I learned a ton from Skinny and Nushka work hard party hard and you know yeah and and they got they got their job done and they did it well and then um Kurt Fry got the took the job of national sales manager for Von Zipper and he moved to Southern California and he ended up hiring me for Von Zipper for the coast, NorCal coast. And then Todd Mady did um NorCal East of the Five. Yeah, he did like the mountains. And that was um where I had to tell Kenny like, sorry dude, like I actually had a job offer that was worth leaving and I could do it on my own and the timing was perfect and um, I got to do Von Zipper for I think that was around 2007 and um, man that business was on fire yeah it was so a lot of it fun. was enough to sustain you without having to do anything else like you're just a Von Zipper rep yeah I mean that's I was, cool I, that's that kind of a heyday of sunglasses yeah for sure but that takes a lot of a pressure off you know like having to like juggle yeah. and try to get a few other brands because yeah. that's rare but you're talking about the heyday where yeah, when I was also young I had such a little overhead I just had a car payment and rent and my wife now was my girlfriend at the time like we didn't you know you weren't yeah, lavish living yeah. living within your means you didn't know yeah. yeah so but it was it was unreal and then now I'm doing Von Zipper and hanging out with like Tinkus and GT and Man, that was a lot of fun, and I was really stoked to like have my own business and to have a really good business. And then I was on the route, just chasing sunglasses. So for our listeners, like NorCal territory, sometimes goes as far south as like Santa Santa Barbara or like Pismo. 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 San Luis Obispo. Yeah. And Um, then I was at top of California. Bakersfield. I didn't no. do Bakersfield because so uh, that kind that of been Todd. So I was in, because it's Von Zipper and it was sunglasses and you're supposed to see the accounts every month. Yeah, there was plenty of business um, west of the five. Yeah, it would have been too much to do the whole territory. Yeah. So um, Kurt Fry is 
partner at the time was Todd Mady. He took that side. Yep. So it was a huge opportunity and it was a ton of fun. And, you know, it was like Von Zipper and Electric were battling for top brands yeah. every month. And anyway, that was, that was killer. Learned a ton. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's crazy because, you know, Kurt Fry, who came from CCS, right? That's where, yeah, he was from Atascadero, I believe. Um, and then, yeah, worked at CCS. Yeah. He was one of the first. I, I think he guys. told us he was like the first dude <laughs> yeah. that, that answered the phone for uh-huh. CCS mail order. The mail order, yeah. And, um, yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, he was one of the pioneers of the sunglass industry, you know? Yeah, in, in our in action sports, right with Arnett, and uh, I'd imagine that was a, a great another great like little university to, to be to be working with and under, you know. Yeah, it somebody was fun. Like Fry. I mean, but, the marketing department was small, and you knew everybody in the company, but they worked hard, and the brand was like getting its legs. So it was really cool, kind of building yeah. the brand, you know, and. Uh, you realize? GT, dude. Yeah, yeah. GT. You got the order. GT. GT. Oh, my gosh. So amazing. He, he holds the world, uh, world's record for saying fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty close. I'm pretty number close, two. but he's number one. Gosh. He's a character. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, um, yeah, I mean, so what, like, two years, skin dog, now you get VZ, you still, you know, how long did you do VZ, and... Where'd that, where'd that take you next? I think I did VZ for a total of like, it was two or three years. Um, what had happened was like, it was like 2007 and then the, like I like doubled the business in the first year that I took it because I was just like showing up, cleaning cases, like doing like grassroots marketing and the brand was on fire. So it was just like, I gave it. A lot of attention and it like it was doing super well and it was rad and it was like oh my gosh I'm getting paid like you know I'm getting paid every month because yeah. you're doing like yeah. monthly sales more at once and um, so I was before you uh, when, when you pivoted from business management to uh, the graphic arts was your mom like mom and dad like dude what are you doing I think my my mom was pretty frustrated with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Like you're going in the. You went to school. We paid all this money. Yeah, and, and you're gonna go do be in the surf scene selling sunglasses. Well, you know? like at first he's like a graphic artist. A graphic yeah. artist, and, you, she, and they're like, yeah, I, well, I guess you went to school for that. And then and then hey, well, you got well, hey mom, I'm gonna be a sub rep. <laughs> the thing about my parents though is like, they were. And, and by the way, like I paid for a good chunk of my college. Good I had student loans and paid it off. Um, so it at the end of the day, it was like... You're not taking money from not, them. You're not a yeah, leech, yeah. so they can't really complain. Yeah, they can't right? really complain. Like I am yeah. essentially doing this on my... So, But they've always trusted me and been supportive because they, they know I'm going to fall through with what I'm going to do, I guess. Yeah. You know? So yeah. there wasn't much heat. But they also know like... I don't know whatever I was doing, I was trying to do a hundred percent. So I always felt like, even though my parents didn't support me that much with like surf contests, they always supported me, you yeah. know, and um, believed in me. And so I never had the like, 
yeah, there wasn't anything like you're doing, you're blowing it, you're doing this wrong, you're never going to make it or yeah. of that talk, which I'm really grateful for. So, yeah, but with Von Zipper, it was interesting because I just started getting momentum. I was like coming into my own and then that's when the 2008 crash happened. Yeah. And that was pretty hard because sunglasses took a big hit. All the categories took a big hit and me just doing like one brand was like, my income was like cut in half, which wasn't Jeez. a lot anyway. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's all stuff, all of us, you guys, everyone, around, went through. everyone went through. Yeah. But I was like, damn, like I'm so vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one brand, like just doing this. And it kind of made me realize like, like, well, first I, I remember this, this was like, and I kind of say this cause I, I know people are listening and there's a lot of like young people that, are trying to figure it out, right? Because we're kind of dealing with a similar situation we're coming right now. Out of a similar, yeah. And I remember being bitter, like really bitter, because yeah. I was like, "Damn, dude!" Like, because for ten years before that, if you were in the surf industry, you could make money doing anything, right? Like, yeah, everyone was, was making heyday. So I got like one year of heyday, which I was grateful for. But I was like, first found myself kind of bitter, and then I realized like, this attitude isn't going to help me at all. Like, I got to change it quick, and if I work really hard while everyone else because everyone else had the same bad attitude felt like if I change my attitude quick work hard and keep showing up like nothing's going wrong I think my shops will notice I think they'll appreciate me and then maybe I'll I, I would believe a couple of these reps are going to shake out and then I would get the opportunity to add that's something good, that's that's good that you were taking that approach you yeah. know because yeah it was doom and gloom you know, and everybody's yeah. just trying to survive. It was but, gnarly. But, it, yeah, there was definitely some movement going to be, you know, did take place and was going to take place, you know, as yeah. far as cons consolidation or, you know. There was a lot of consolidation out. that started yeah. happening not too long after that because people weren't making the income they were and they, some people were frustrating and wanted to quit. And um, I ended up getting an opportunity to, to excel wetsuits. Mm. And doing Von Zipper and Excel was awesome. And that was, um, it was Mike Witherspoon was the Excel rep for a long time. Yeah. And that was a solid business. And he got an offer from Vans and became a Vans rep. And so he picked me and he said, you're the only, told Excel, this, I was the only guy he wanted to get that Take job. Over. That's awesome. And so that kind of attitude paid off. And I was doing really well now, like having two brands being diversified and doing wetsuits and sunglasses. And I had a killer account and fill route. And um, I was having a ton of fun, you know? Like every yeah. day I'd leave with a surfboard in the back of my car and surf Pomponio or surf Ocean Beach or, you know, you're just yeah. kind of like driving around. I'd be back in your routine, Louis you're Bispo, doing surfing some spots down pleasure. there. Yeah, it was like, it was a dream. So like, I kind of felt like, I mean, I never, never became a professional surfer, but I was like more stoked than ever that I picked this route because I was getting to play around like I was. Like I was yeah. surfing in the daytime, I wasn't stuck to a desk, and I was walking in surf shops, talking surf, surfing with surf shops. It's the second it was best unreal. thing. Yeah, it was the second best thing. Yeah. And I was like, but I am, I got a career. Like I'm making money and I can do this. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this is the. Like, dream job. This is a dream yeah. job, yeah. And I, there's longevity here, and I could continue on with this. And then that was 
Unreal, Greg Wade, all that that whole crew. G Dub. Did Love you that work guy. at his shop too? I never worked at his shop, but um, they sponsored me. It was my, yeah. my 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 first sponsor when I was a kid. Yeah. He's when an amazing he guy. Yeah. Suits. Victory and Robert August. Yeah. So that was that was a great experience. It was a really great experience. So I was with them for a while and then um, I got a call from Jalisa. Um, I wanna say Downing is the last name, but it's Sweaty's wife. She was the reef rep in uh, the Northwest. And at that point they had like what they called like, they basically consulted all the reps and she was her own sales manager and ran like a territory. And so she called me and was like, hey, because I worked with Sweaty with Bon Zipper and um, she calls me and goes, hey, would you like to be the reef rep? And I literally thought it was a joke. And I was like, I laughed at her and I said, sure, Jaleesa, um, whatever. How about you call me back in a few days? And I'm like, I'll talk to you later. Kind of like, I didn't really hang up on her, but she was like, okay. You weren't jumping at the bit. You weren't no, because like, I thought she like, was full of it. I was yeah, like, you thought she was joking? Totally thought she was joking. Just, I don't know why, I guess. Yeah. But I really... Was, was Sweaty swear, working for them? He was doing Von Zipper and all kinds of stuff up there. But was he doing Reef? No. Okay. His wife was doing Reef. Oh, his wife was doing his Reef. His wife okay. was doing Reef. And she was tasked by Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair bought them, and they changed the rep structure, like a North Face structure. So she was a territory manager, and she... Was Maybe looking to hire subreps. Yeah, or which or. would have been the NorCal rep, would have been her subrep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't know all this. Yeah. And I thought she was just messing with me for some reason. And I didn't take her seriously. And so she calls me back in a few days. And I was like pretty embarrassed because I was like, you, you're serious? And she's like, I'm dead serious. She's like, are you serious? And I'm like, I was like I'm sorry, I didn't know. Like, yeah. hell yeah, I want to do it. Like, I had so, a vision board at the time Reef was on there. Like, I want to do Reef. Like, let's go. So yeah. hold on. When you got off the phone with her, how long did it take you to, like, go, maybe she's serious? Yeah, she called me back like three days later. Three days later. So wait, you, you, you told her to call you back in a couple days? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> she won't call back. So she yeah. thinks she's probably calling back and you're like, yeah, I gave on, but you're still kind of like, no, you're not. Are you serious? Uh, yeah, I was literally like, Oh, it was one of the, I don't know why I didn't think she was serious, but it was just that it was such a big established brand and it didn't seem to me that that was a job opportunity. And I thought that it was just, um, I thought it, I, I couldn't take her seriously at yeah. the time. It didn't even fathom to me in my head that that was like a real call. So bam, you're Von Zipper, Excel, and Reef. Yeah. Wow. And I think I was doing FCS too. Mm. At the time, and that's 2010 now, 11. Like, are you out of the kind of? Yeah, that was right around 2009, 2010. Because, I mean, that that first world record, where I was doing all that stuff, and so um, first yeah. world record. Well, at Mavericks in 2010, I yeah. That. So it's just jump back in into surf. So you know, you got this rep life. And you're surfing. Oh, yeah. We, we cut out the story. So yeah. we got to go back to. Yeah. So, yeah. Because you're working with Skin Dogs. I was working skin dogs with Skin Dogs. Okay, back in time. So my two lives yeah. intermixing here. So I'm driving around with Skin Dog every day. Every day I'm 
at Skin Dog's house, like, hey, Skin Dog, we gotta go. And, uh, and Skin Dog's a big ass wave charger. Skin Dog is the man. He's had yeah. covers on covers. He's the and man. He's, he's, he's yeah. kind of the, isn't he like the first, like, took a water housing? Yeah, he was the yeah. first guy to do a selfie. Sir, selfie, yeah. yeah. Um, he, it was just such a crazy, awesome experience, but he was in the full thick of, like... Did he know you charged? Yeah, but I, I wasn't... I was super modest, and I was like, yeah, I've surfed some big waves, and I still thought, at this point, I was a total wuss compared to those guys, so I didn't really ever talk about it. I just said, like, yeah, I have a big wave board, and I've surfed some pretty big waves, but it's nothing like you guys, and I never, like... And I was like, maybe one day I'd surf Mavericks. I'm really scared. So you still hadn't surfed Mavericks? No. And Skin Dog would just heckle me. like, And he'd always tell everybody. Like, I would never talk about it. wouldn't bring it up. It's just when you're in car trips with Skin Dog, he just like doesn't stop talking and would always like drill me. Yeah. And he, so he'd get all these stories out of me. Yeah. And so then he'd like, we'd, we'd meet like his buddies like Flea and, and whoever. And he'd always be like, Dollar thinks he's a big wave charger, blah! <laughs> and I'd just be like, oh, you're such a kook. Throwing I didn't say anything. Part. Yeah, like I said nothing. Like, I'm not a big wave charger. I'm not a big, I don't, like, I, anyway. So then, uh. Yeah, totally picture that. For totally sure. Yeah. Just like, he's so brutal. You, you, mean, you think like 20 foot's big. This big yeah. bragger, and you're like, yeah. holy night. He just pulled it out of yeah, you. Yeah, he just does it, it just to you. watch me just like get turned So now red. the boys are fired up. Like, they're like, okay, you're going out with us next time. Something like that. And I would always be like, he was towing at that time, but with a little bit of paddling, he was in the Mavs contest still. And the Mavs contest got called on and I was with him every day, every day. And he just loved being around me. Like we'd always talk about like, I was learning a lot about like positive thinking and meditation. Um, I was doing a lot of meditation and stuff like that. And so I was like helping skinny with like, not by meaning to, but like teaching him the stuff that I was learning. And so yeah. it was like changing the way he was thinking. And so he got invited to the Mavs contest, got called on, and he was like, "Hey, you're coming with me. You're going to be my board caddy because I want, I want you around me that day. I want to talk. To, you know, I want that like positive thinking. You know, like oh, wow. you know. Awesome. And I was like, oh, that would be so sick. Yeah, yeah awesome. You got. I'll be there." So he had his jet. That's an important role for shit like that. Yeah. yeah. Being so, a board caddy. Oh, I was and so a motivational speaker. I was so honored. I was stoked. Yeah. And, you're, and now you're in my like, corner. He's, okay, going, he's going in battle, and you're in his quarter. Cut me, Mick. Yeah. Do this. And so, you know, I'm on his jet ski now at Mavericks that day, and um, getting it's massive. It's massive. It's it's first gnarly. time you've been out there. I well technically I went out there on a boat with a friend Just and saw it, it but it was first time I'd really like yeah been up close and personal, close and personal and you're and spending like, the whole day yeah and I and I'm in a wetsuit and so he's like you know intermission dollar you can go surf just take one of my boards nobody surfs intermission and I was like okay that sounds kind of cool paddling yeah, because between the semis and the final, there's always like a 45-minute break. So like the last semi can have a break before the final. Yeah. And back then, like nobody surfed. How big were the waves? It was easily 40 foot. It was big. <laughs> Bigger and, than you've ever rode? 
Well, you, have you had experiences? So my experience, places? like at this point coming into that, was like I sat on the ski with Skinny all day and watched Mavs, and I was like, "Oh my God, this wave's perfect!" Yeah. Like I was used to surfing really hard waves, hard waves, yeah. close out, and, and this rocks. is a perfect right, and it breaks in the same spot every time. And I was like, "Oh my God, I could surf this!" Yeah, like I went from like. I'm gonna die. I've never surfed Mavericks. I've, you know to, what I mean? To like watching to like, it, just being like, I could, perfect. yeah, I could. I've surfed w- like bigger, way and worse. worse, and yeah, like you, you surfed bigger already, basically, yeah, yeah. And uh, and the whole time, Skinny is on his jet ski. Had a he was probably out early and had a couple beers and is driving around, being like, "Dollar's a big wave surfer. Dollar's gonna surf intermission. Dollar, uh, you know." And just like, I was like, "Oh, you suck!" Like, I guess I gotta go. Like, egging you on. And he he has his board and he's like, "Intermission, dollar's going out. You going out, dollar?" And so, so he was out of the contest. He was out of the contest. So it didn't matter if he broke his board or not. No, and he's just like. You know, somebody's he's all in. crushing. He's crushing some beers and driving around his jet ski and just being skinny. And it's just hilarious. But so intermission happens, and I'm like, "Fuck, I might as well." Like I'm right here. It's perfect. There was like two guys out, and but it's a contest. That's inter- intermission. Yeah, yeah but yeah, it's, it's intermission. It's, it's, it's a contest with a lot of fucking spectators. Well, so that's what was super intense about it. Is like people don't. Everybody watching the contest stays, and then if you're surfing intermission, you're like getting watched. Yeah, you're you're in your own heat. But That's I was what like, I mean. like, yeah. But I was like, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. It was like perfect maps with nobody out, yeah. and I was there with a the board, and so I paddled over, scared to death, and uh, I remember paddling into my first wave, and I remember like looking down it, and it was like completely oververt, and I was like, paddled as hard as I could, and I swear to God, I like closed my eyes. Because after like looking down the thing, I was like, I'm gonna die. And I closed my eyes. Are you wearing a vest? No, this was like before vests were even invented. And freaking made the wave. Like, you made made it. Eyes closed, jumped to your feet, and just. Just sent it, yeah, and pulled it. Like, what looked impossible because sensory, like, I'd never dropped in a wave that steep before, that big. Like, my board stuck, and I pulled it. And it was proper, like, pretty hollow out there that day for that contest, and it was going in low tide. So it was getting, like... Really bottomed out. You really bottoming out. And I was, like, so adrenaline out, so psyched. Did, did, were, did you hear, like, cheers from the boats in the, yeah. in the channel? Everybody was yeah. like, how many boats were there? How many... As many as you've ever seen at Mavericks. Like, those, it was those beautiful sunny days where the whole channel's packed, and yeah. there's... I mean, dude, and, and who's out? Like, who are the other guys out? Just some locals, like some other caddies. You don't even remember. I swear, who there cares? was like two or three people yeah. out. Like, there was nobody out. Like at that point, people didn't really surf the intermission. Yeah. So and there's like 15, 20 boats at least all around. I'd say forty. Yeah. Forty fucking boats. Yeah. yeah. With close to hundred people spectating. There's more than 100 people. Some of the boats are party boats that have like 50 people on them. Yeah. So here, I mean, you're in a Coliseum. I know. I'm trying to like get all this out because here's this guy who's never surfed Mavericks, who his boss has been clearly never watched it on, you know, no, I've seen it, but (laughs) we haven't brought it up. No, for sure. You know what I mean? Like what you're what you're doing is like a life changing 
announcement. You know what I mean? You're you're announcing yourself to this well, yeah, crew of Mavericks people that you've never surfed Mavericks before. Yeah, and um, I paddled back out. I think I rode like five or six waves during oh intermission. Oh my god! Like, no, back to back, no back, back to back, no wipeouts. Just no. With just, skin dogs going, that's my boy. <laughs> so skinny. Oh, he is a big wave river. Yeah, that's my boy. That's my sub rep. What's up? That's my caddy. That's my motivational speaker. Hey, you just blew out our listeners' ears. I know. <laughs> I I wish that's the way it went. So it turns out, Skin Dog. You should have waited for that bigger one, bro. And I believe it was Dave Wassel. He had Skin Dog and Dave Wassel like went way up, like two miles up the point to go check out this like. Missed wave, a missed a wave that everyone's talking about. So Skin Dog rolls back. He missed all your waves. Missed all my waves. Skin Dog, and everybody thought it was Skin Dog surfing. So Skin Dog rolls back. Because you're on your board. I'm on his, his board. board. And so everybody's like, Skin Dog, what? You crushed it, dude. You owned the internet. Like, and he's like, what are you talking about? I wasn't here. And oh so he God. looks at me and goes, was that, are they? And I'm like, yeah. Was. yeah. Anyway. This, so, I would have won the event. <laughs> But it was just like so insane to surf like that good of a wave. First time. First time. And, and nobody out. Yeah, and I had tons of experience and training at that point, but nothing in quality like that. And yeah. So to get, so it's not, the right word isn't like easy, but it was like Mavericks was. It was just perfect for that. Yeah. The training moment. that you did led up to an amazing experience. Uh, yeah. Right? Like, you trained harder waves. Yeah. It's like, it all meant, it was all meant to be. But yeah. you're surfing shitty clothes out 50% of the time, big waves, and all of a sudden... But just the... Oh, my. I a killer story. That, and then you're catting for Skin Dog, and it's the Mavericks event, and it's intermission, and, like, the way it went, it came to that, that point in that time. Yeah, I know. Why did what he leave? Cow. And then you get five waves, and you make them all. Yeah. Like, what crazy. a dreamy yeah. freaking day. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. And at that point on, I, I never miss a swell. Did, did, did you get any, <laughs> like, anybody shooting photos? Did you have a photo from that day or video? Do you remember if, like... You no, got that footage. I don't. Really? People weren't taking photos because it was intermission. And, uh... Even, Someone's got to have photos. Someone's got to have footage. It's right here in your brain. Yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't... I was just so stoked on the experience. Yeah. Like, I just surfed maps and surfed it really well, and I was, like, really stoked. And you were still working for them at that time, right? For Skinny, yeah. 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 And you're on his board, and, which I'm sure your your boards are they're pretty similar as far as, no, you know... my boards were terrible. No. The one board I had was nothing. His, his He had a really good board. I had a board at that point... After I rode his, I realized I needed to get a new board. Because <laughs> mine was like... I had Bob. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go surf some big waves, and I'll probably break the board, so make the thing like indestructible. So Bob made me this like tank, and it was so heavy. And it did. It like buckled, but it still didn't even break. And I was surfing a buckled board that oh. was super heavy, and... And it was like, it wasn't the right board. So, but yeah, but I realized like, whoa, like this equipment's so much better. And, um, 
anyway, yeah. Bob's made me some great boards since then. But but yeah, that board that I had was really magical that Skinny was riding. He had a, yeah. like two twin Al Merricks that were insane. Insane. Twins? Well, twins. he had like a 9-8 and a 10, maybe 10-2. And I think I was riding the 10-2. So he sold me the twin to it. Um, mm. And the next contest, I was his board caddy again. And then I went out during intermission. And that was the huge day. Yeah. And that's when I set the world record during intermission. And what year? Are you kidding me? Yeah. What year? Twelve. That was 2010. Ten. So I was probably like that was probably 2008 when I was. First. 2007, somewhere in there, when I was caddying for Skinny and first surf. And then a couple years later, you you win the biggest. Yeah. Win the Billabong XXL and. Holy crap! Paddling that big one during intermission. During intermission. And there's footage of it. Oh yeah, that's yeah. like yeah, yeah. That's, that one you got that, paid. You got paid. Yeah, I won money, and that was the one that like put you on the map. Yeah, because at that point, after that session with Skinny, and before 2010, if you went to Mavericks or Surf Mavericks, you knew me, or you knew I was capable of doing it. But outside the media world, yeah, like, nobody knew me. We're, did that spark like you were now like every swell you're back up there i was there every swell after that after that after skinny Mm -hmm. um after that session but winning the xxl allowed everyone to me to be in the public eye for big wave surfing and allowed it was like okay this kid's got to be in a contest he just won like the XXL at Mavs, like yeah, you gotta put this guy in, like. And the XXL XXL is the 2010 intermission wave. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And you won how much? It wasn't that much money back then. It was, I mean, it was a lot of money, but it wasn't paddling. You gotta remember, this was all towing. That was the session that like broke down. That was literally the session. That whole contest, everything that happened that day, people stopped towing. And so before that, towing was like the $50,000 yeah. grand prize. Biggest paddle in was maybe like 20000 15, But it was the notoriety. It was the one that you Fuck wanted yeah. to win. Yeah. And so to win that was nuts because even... Um, yeah, just amongst your, your peers, you yeah. know, and getting that, you know. And then, of course, the money, which is an afterthought because you guys just... Uh, most of the big wave guys are doing it because they love it and they want the they're fucking crazy they're crazy it's not <laughs> if you're doing it for money then you're doing it wrong yeah anything but yeah so you get paid 20 something for that wave it was, it was you insane. get coverage you get yeah. you're at the awards like you're on the map yeah it's it so fun it's crazy that you announced yourself as a big wave surfer in 2008 in the intermission and then you win the fucking XXL in intermission. Yeah. That's like crazy. Pretty, pretty nuts. You know? Great, it's great timing. Like, you know? It's because those waves could have came in, you know, hour before, hour after, and, you know. Yeah. I, it was just meant to be. Meant to be. How pitched was Skid Dog? Oh, I bet he was stoked. <laughs> he was so stoked. Yeah. Skid Dog, the best part about Skid Dog is he's not. I, I've never seen him get jealous. Yeah. He's just... He so. was on my bandwagon so hard. 
like, which was the funnest part, is, like, before I was, like, I was on his bandwagon. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm hanging out with Skin Dog, and he'd yeah. be, like, everywhere we go, he'd be, like, all that shit that he used to give me, like, oh, Sean Dollar, the big wave server, he'd be, like, this fucking Sean Dollar, the big wave. Like, yeah. he'd be, like... Rooting for yeah. you. Rooting for like, you. Yeah. So, Biggest fan. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Then we'd go to Porto together, and we'd started doing more surf trips together, and... and Man, it was really nice having a guy like that around for yeah. the, experience the experience and he you knew he was going to have your back. You knew he was all of it. Yeah. All of it. And I learned a ton from from him because of that. You know, it's there's a big learning curve yeah. with, with everything. And so it's nice to like yeah, emotionally and then, you know, physically and then just each wave is well, a different beast like even think, think about would you have ever or when would you have ever surfed Mavericks? I don't think I would have. I mean, that's yeah. the saddest part. That's like a life-changing He got thing. me there, and I, and, and it was all the right conditions, you know? Because yeah. I, I would have had an excuse over you, and over, I feel you, like. You could have paddled out on a random day, wiped out your first wave, and been done, yeah. or whatever. Who, and, who are you? And yeah. the stars aligned, it was intermission, he gave you the board, he kind of forced handed you into it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even want to serve the, not just that day. people. It was not, so intense. Before Mavericks, your big wave experience was in San Luis Obispo, right? Yeah. Were you surfing other big wave spots? No. Okay. And, and, just, and the guy that and you surfed with was Sage... Sage Finch. And was he surfing Mavericks? He went up and surfed Mavericks once and he's like, you gotta do it. It's so sick. And I was like... No, I'm good. So like, I'm, I, I didn't think I was good enough. Think, think about the, um, the, gosh, what am I trying to say here? The probability of somebody else getting you out at Mavericks, right? Yeah, like, it's it's crazy. Like to yeah. think that the right guy at the right time at the right place yeah, got you to go into Mavericks and and it's Skin Dog, yeah. probably the only guy and the only time. And the only place that that what would have happened, all yeah. the all the yeah. crazy yeah. things aligned. Like you said, you have these para- parallel lives that obviously are yeah. mashed together because of surfing. You know, you got your 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 sub, you know, your repping job, and then you got your your love for surfing, and it just happened to mesh with Skin Dog, who yeah. is a maniac, and he it's just the right amount of like push. Such, yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah. perfect. Like, perfect. He, there's guys that like try to talk you into shit and yeah. you're like fuck you you're yeah. like I'm not gonna do that right yeah and then you have somebody like that oh, guy you're on it I'm, you're doing it but he does it in the right way to where you're like alright motherfucker I'll do it yeah but he, you know it's cool because he tapped you on the shoulder to be his caddy yeah, yeah. right and, and I mean, you can't say no to that it was you like can't say he no gave me this like perfectly safe space to go do it and then once I was there yeah, it gave me plenty of heckles to make me feel like if I didn't paddle out, yeah. I'm blowing it. And honestly, the conditions were so gorgeous yeah. that, yeah, I would have regretted it for the rest of my Fif- life. Yeah. 40, 50 foot, man. It's gorgeous. Perfect day. <laughs> so awesome. It so, was, though. I know. I, I, I know. They, they, would, they would hold it on, like, extremely, like, yeah, perfect days. So, but, so, you know, you didn't wipe out that day. You've been surfing at a ton. Like, I know our listeners and, and me and Lennon love, like, Wipeouts. I mean, that's just part of big wave surfing, you know. Yeah. And you know, talking. What's the biggest your, wave you've ever not, surfed, Mark? I don't even know. Not <laughs> What's the biggest wave you ever surfed? Probably. Less than thirty feet. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. 
What's the biggest yeah. wave you've ever surfed? Yeah. Dollar, dollar. 60, 61 foot, Cortez Bank. Yeah. I know. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. What's the so, biggest wipeout you ever had? So that's what I'm trying to get at is like, you What's know, the most, yeah, punishing wipeout this, you've ever had? This lifestyle, this this love for big waves has, you know, a side of it, which is you're going to wipe out mo- more often than you're going to make waves, you yeah. know? And, yeah, you get beat. And, you know, as I was talking in the intro, which, you know, you've had, you didn't realize, but you've had multiple concussions over the years. And, you know, do you remember a wipeout in particular or the worst wipeout that, um, there's so many. I mean, we could spend three hours doing wipeout stories that I've been in. But, yeah, for the listeners, um, it turns out that I, I went to the aiming clinic and got scanned by, they, they have more NFL players scanned there than any other institute. So they're looking at, like, um, the health of like football players' brains. For so sure, they wanted to see like what did my brain look like because I was super concussed after that accident that maybe we'll have time to get to. But um, I didn't realize that all these big wipeouts that we we're getting as big wave surfers were extremely damaging. And it's what it's not like you're fine if you get like one, two, three, four. Yeah. But we're talking about like hundreds, yeah. and those start adding up. So they're sub concussions and concussions and sub like, so I look like I've never played football, but I look like I played high school, college, and professional football. <laughs> oh wow! And I'm just a surfer from yeah. Santa Cruz, and so so, can, so when you say concussion and wipeout, you're just you're talking about hitting the water, right? Yeah, but and I think underwater turbulence and underwater turbulence. I mean, I get concussed. And you can't you get you're getting sub concussions every time you fall surfing because you are it's like jumping off of a low dive or high dive and slapping the water like yeah. your brain is bouncing against your skull so whereas human beings can handle that but once you do that hundreds and hundreds of times you can't remend can't yeah. you know yeah, rebuild you, that you're, you're starting that... to do more and more permanent damage yeah because if we dissect or try to analyze the power. Um, the pounds per square inch of your velocity of your fall and the in concrete and then impact power of, of you know yeah. it's crazy it's like getting hit by a Mack truck like literally. it is it's really violent I mean it's it's literally like getting a car crash like you're the whiplash all this the stuff that goes on but the but, other thing is this is my theory because it's never been tested there's no scientific testing of this but I've become friends with a lot of vet, vets, and um, the biggest thing that vets go through is concussions from blasts, and it's the force of a blast creates wavelengths in your brain that tear your brain up. Wow. And huh. when Mavericks breaks, it shakes the Richter scale at Berkeley. Yeah. So that concussion from the water hitting water is causing a seismic impact enough that it's shaking the Richter scale at UC Berkeley. Nuts. So think about when you're in that, when you fall and you're in that turbulence and you're in that impact, that energy is going through your body just like a blast. So I'm fairly certain by theory and by all the research that's been out there that there's got to be something else 
to be said about the ripple and the, the energy being transferred through the water through our bodies. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with the damage that I've had yeah. and what big wave surfers go through. Because the fall and the violence is bad too, but also the impact. Like you've all been, surfers, we've all been hit by like big shore break. When that thing hits you, it's like, it's like yeah. a glass. It throws you back, but you're not really moving because of the water. Yeah. But there's still, there's a wave, wavelengths are moving through your brain. So, um, yeah, I've had a lot of seriously crazy messed up wipeouts but so I, I mean on a say a good day a good day a good day at Matt Mav- Mav- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mav- you're out for two three four hours and you're catching a dozen waves on, least, in a session yeah. at least and out of those you're making half maybe, maybe depends on the day half maybe more okay but yeah but you're you're, but getting, at, like, you're getting your clock clean you're getting, Once or twice at least every yeah, session. Yeah, every and session. And they're terrible. And if you so, add that up over months and years, and that's... He's a heavy. couple hundred under his belt, yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, and we were going hard. That was that was before safety vests. That was... And then one safety vest were made, which was a... Dorian had, um, after my big one at Mavs, a 55-footer, that same... The next day, Dorian nearly drowned at Mavs, and then with Billabong created the first vest. But once vest came into our, into surfing, which was like 2000, late 2010, 2011, we all were like invincible. You know, we'd go on waves we weren't gonna go on before. We'd take closeouts and just be like, get to the bottom and inflate and just get the crap beat out of us. So we, we were putting ourselves into like way gnarlier situations than we would have previously. And so we were just like, Sending we are getting beat. These guys are fucking crazy. Fucking you guys crazy. are fucking crazy. I love it. Um, yeah. We, it was I mean. Like, I, when you were uh, going through the, I, I just imagine being on like, I, I mean, I can't imagine, but I try to imagine what your body is going through and what your mind is thinking when you've taken a, a bad wipeout, right? Yeah. And you're... Because it's a fucking 50-foot wave, you know? Yeah, it's and, terrible. You and, fall, and you're like, okay, my, my shoulders aren't ripped out. Okay, I didn't break my hip. There's nothing. Like, you're, you, you, there's so much turbulence. Like, you don't have time. Do you think? Or do you just kind of yeah, like... and like breath. Like, that first thing you go is like, do I have enough breath? Right? Like... Did the not, wind get knocked out of me? I mean, there's probably a thousand things that your, your <laughs> mind is instantly thinking about yeah. that, that you don't... I, I can't, like, I've never surfed waves com- half the size that you surf, but maybe, I don't know. I just, no, you know. it, bro. No, don't even well, try to claim it. No, I'm not, I'm a puss, <laughs> but I'm just saying I've been in waves where it's like, yeah, okay, I, nothing broken. Surf big cloud break, big but, pipe. But, like but, but the energy is, like, so nuts, and yeah. it depends on the wave. Like, if you're deep water, you're just thinking, okay, like, pressurize, I know I'm going to go super deep, it gets dark, whatever. Pipe, you're thinking like, am I going to hit? Am I going to hit? Am I going to hit? You know? Yeah. Like, different things go through your mind yeah. based on the, the, the wave. But like... Mavericks itself is is the worst place I've ever wiped out because anything can happen out there. There's so many holes in that reef and you can get... It's stuck. a reef? Yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Okay. What did you think? Break on a sandbar? I, just a big slab out there. I don't know. <laughs> it's a reef, and there's like 
You the think main... I know anything about Mavericks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck no. Right. I, I don't want anything to do with Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a slab, but it's a it's a hip. Like think of like a, you know, like a little seam out is where the bowl is. And but then the bad thing about Mavericks is is right on the back side of it is a giant hole, canyon. So, and then shortly in there's another big hip, and then there's more holes. And so you all the time get sucked into one of those holes and you could be like violently getting the crap beat out of you and then all of a sudden everything goes calm and you're like like you're hitting no you're just like no you're just in like a calm pool all of a sudden and you're like whoa this is crazy like there's no turbulence around me anymore wait I can't swim up and like but you know you're so deep that if you start swimming you're gonna waste your energy and uh so you're like, you're waiting for like your flotation in your body and everything else to kind of start pulling you up because if you, if you swim underwater too soon, you don't know, you'll run out of energy and you'll drown. So you really, you literally have to like turn your brain off. And so when you fall at mouths, like, I mean, for me at least, it was always like, damn it. Like this is going to suck. This is going to suck. Like, yeah. and you, you have to pull your limbs in. And make sure you don't have your arms out or your legs out because it could get twisted, pulled. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You gotta you gotta get in tight. A bowl. You gotta get in a bowl. And then uh, and then you're trying to survive like those bounces and those first impacts, which are absolutely violent. And are your you body's, hit the bottom? No, it's pretty rare that anybody's ever hit the bottom. I've never hit the bottom there. But you're getting pulled in multiple directions. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you're going left, you're going right, you're going up, you're going down. And you're you're just trying to, like, keep your body all in one piece. And then you're also, like, you have to turn your brain off. You have to, like, not think about it. So you go into, like, that full, like, lizard brain. Where's your, where's your comfort zone? Like, where's your out-of-body, like, zone? Like, what do you think about? Are you shut yeah, down? Nothing. Nothing. Think about he said he you have to go to your lizard brain. Lizard brain. You're literally like, you're you're in darkness. Yeah. You can't see. It's black. What's and lizard just, brain? It's like fight or flight, like where you're just you're going to pure animal instinct. Like you're not thinking about. You're not like, wow, I'm in a bad situation. Like I'm going left. Whoa, I'm going right. Oh, my arm hurts. Like yeah. there's a lot of pressure. Like you have to just turn every <clears throat> sense off for the most part because it's all wasting energy and it will get your brain going and um you're just like to be honest like most of the worst wipeouts i don't even hardly remember because i think i turn off so much sensory yeah that i'm you're not aware of what's going on because if you're paying attention you're gonna panic and you're gonna waste energy and it's so terrible and it's so long that so that's like you're how you survive yeah so when you Say let's say you get pitched, right? And you 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 get sunk to the bottom, right? Yeah. At, at one point. When you come up under you know, how long what's the longest and how far have you traveled from where you think you fell to where you actually you know? I had a lot of two way pull downs at Mavericks. Probably ten. Um, one was fully inflated, I had a two way pull down which is crazy to be like in the big giant vests that are 
you fly to the surface. I had a two-way pull down with one of those. So it's like there's literally those holes at Mavericks, which are, they're not, they're not, when I say holes, these things are like the size of like, I don't know, a quarter acre. Deep, just deep, deep spots that the water is turbulent up top, and then you fall into these Hit chambers that feel like waterfalls that are pulling you down, and then you get down there and the water's still, and you can't swim out of those, and you have to sit and wait. And so you get so yeah, until you yeah, until you start that maybe the aeration or something starts your your body starts How eventually slowing, and so you don't know like you're like me at least the way I'd survive those I'd just turn everything off so I'd be like oh this is I've been down for a really long time like okay I'm waiting not really moving and then you'd hear another way you'd be like shoot that was number two okay hopefully this one lets me up because three-way pull downs are like I don't know and you can make that so I did have a three-way pull down once what and uh was, How long is this? Like, I mean, the intervals are. It's a long time. Like four minutes? No, it's not that long. Yeah. Three four, minutes? I would say it could have been a two way pull down at Mavericks would be about a minute, I would say. But you gotta understand, that's like no breath getting right. right. Like holding your breath. And you're like. It's like running, yeah, I, yeah. exhausting yourself, and then jumping in a pool and trying to hold your breath for a minute. Yeah. Like, you're already oxygen deprived. Your body's like, going through so much tur- turmoil, right? Violently yeah. fucking getting shook around. So if a big wave surfer can hold their breath for like three to five minutes, static breath hold, that's like, but they can barely hold their breath for like 45 seconds at like a big wave, that's how gnarly it is. Yeah. Um, but that one in particular was like, I was working on the J film and um, anyway, they asked me to be on the inside and take like a bunch of beatings for the film. <laughs> Sign me out. Yeah. I was oh, like, yeah. you know, Jay, you paid for this. <laughs> yeah. I was, Jay Moriarty was grew up in my neighborhood yeah. and he was older than me. So we weren't like friends, friends, but he was a friend and I'd, loved him and had a ton of respect so I was like anything I can do to contribute to this movie and make it better like down like let's do it and uh, so yeah that was what I was asked to do which was fine but the thing is they kept wanting to do the scene over and over and over and over and then they took a break and they're like hey we got a helicopter now you guys need to do it again so went back out we did it over and over and I was I got I did it, had a two-way pull down just during filming. I was totally exhausted and beat. You like, gave them their money's worth. I gave them their money's worth. Holy And it shit. wasn't, and I was pretty pissed because at the end I was like, they wanted me to keep going and I was like, you guys, I'm done. Like, yeah. I can't. You better triple my pay. Physically do this anymore. And, um, and I was like pretty frustrated too because that day was really good and you know, every time like Twiggy would ride by me and be like, Dala, what are you doing? You're blowing it. Yeah. <laughs> be like, yeah, I'm blowing it. I know. Are they done? Can I go serve? <laughs> so I caught, I went out and I was like, I'm catching one and I'm going to go in. And uh, this big one came and it was kind of low tide. So it was real hollow and it, and Tazzy took off in front of me and Tazzy like faded his bottom turn and 
delayed me just by enough to where I couldn't get the bottom turn where I wanted and the white water clipped me. Oh and, my God. Um, so you skipped like, or did yeah. it just take you down? It took me down pretty hard and I was like <clears throat> extremely fatigued at this point. Oh. And, um, this is after doing your stunts, after doing all the stunts. Oh shit. And this was, this was Dorian was literally out there wearing his V2 vest none of them were available yet to us and he was testing it and I had I was testing this thing called spare air what divers use an air tank on your chest because I was like anything you can get at this point it was yeah. like wild west like maybe this thing and so I was I'd been using that for the season and I was comfortable with falling at Mavericks if I needed to and breathing underwater with it and so Dorian was like remember him like before I went on this wave he was like dollar like what is that thing on your chest i'm like it's an air tank he's like what are you thinking he's like you're he was like totally echoing me like you're out of your mind and i was like yeah but i don't know like yeah it anything, anything helps anything else even even if it's just mentally at that point so the know? irony is is like literally the next wave after that conversation is this wave and i get faded get blasted. faded get smoked and have a two-wave hold down and the two-wave hold-down was really bad, and I wasn't coming up, and then I went into a three-wave hold-down. And I was about to pass out at that point. I was like seeing like the stars, everything was going out, and so I got on the air tank and uh, breathed through that three-wave hold-down on the air tank, and it kept me alive. <laughs> so you're just getting heckled right before. Right before. And... And it wasn't that bad. I mean, Dorian wasn't being a jerk. No, yeah, but it's just like... But it was kind of like... How yeah. ironic. Yeah, and I came up, like, basically at the I would have been... You would have been dead if you See, that's, I would have died. For that's sure. what I was asking you, like, how fucking crazy is it? Like, how, how, how many hundreds of yards is it from... To take off to that rock pile that you see? Yeah, it, it's a long ways. Really Like far. a couple hundred yards? At least. Um, at least three or four hundred yards. Yeah. So you're underwater from wherever you got smoked all the way a couple hundred yards down. Yeah, and I didn't get a breath until I came up. Was, you guys are fucking crazy, gnarly. man. So yeah. nuts. I mean... Gosh! Actually, you know what? There's a part of this story I need to... Because it's so funny. These things happened so long ago. But I actually had the irony, even more ironic, Dorian was heckling me for my... I had his vest on. <laughs> I had his vest on. So I was wearing the V1 suit, actually. But the reason I couldn't use it was my handle got blown off underwater, and I couldn't find my cord to inflate. Oh. And so I couldn't... I spent a bunch of time under there trying to inflate, but I couldn't get my cord. Couldn't find it. I don't know where... It was just... Not there. For some reason, not there. And before I passed out on the third wave, I jumped on the air tank. Wow. So, but it was like... That was kind of like... That's why they have like multiple poles now on all that yeah, stuff. Is it, you can't just have one safety precaution underwater because things go wrong. So my second backup was the air tank, and I didn't want to use it, but how much I didn't did you have make that day for that? Do you know? Do you remember the movie for for doing the stunts? Nothing. Like nothing. Like a thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks. <laughs> it was like it was so bad. So bad. It was so bad. It, uh, and then they didn't even use any of the stuff I did. Fuck off! Swear to God. Oh my A three-wave hold down and they didn't use it? 
They didn't use a two-way pull down. They, they weren't filming me for the three-way during that <laughs> part. That was at the end of the day, you just wanted to get one. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to get one and got spanked harder than I've ever been They didn't on. use any of your... I mean, I might be in there for a second jumping off a board, but yeah. they didn't really use it. And oh it was like, after gosh. all that, it was like crazy. Like Okay, that was a gnarly story. But I think before we leave, we have to hear the gnarly story. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, you got you got some time, right? You got time. Yeah, a little time. Yeah. Okay, guys, be prepared to be blown the fuck away. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not funny, but it's no, fucking crazy. It's, it's told it's, this story in a it, while. It's important, that, you know, that you know you tell it, you know, firsthand, and and you know people understand what you went through, and you know how to help people and yeah um i it was i was surfing in a remote area south of um monterey and it uh basically i got washed into like a rock garden and um everything was kind of normal up to that point you know like you're just but I wasn't... Describe I was, the day. Big, like, how big and who you, who you surfing with? I don't want to give away too okay. much of it. That's fine. It, how big were the waves? They were, like, 10 foot. 10 just, foot? They weren't... It wasn't huge. Yeah. Okay. It was... It was just a... It was an average day. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, but and it was it was a situation of being, like... I was stuck, you know, like a rock garden, not getting out with white water just kept pouring in to me you know like impact zone in impact the, zone like yeah and uh yeah and the waves were big enough that i wasn't able to get out of this situation so it it was um and i was getting washed further and further into this rock garden and the situation was getting sketchy were you with anybody i had a friend that was out in the water but he was really like this is a pretty remote area. He was pretty far away and was not aware this was going on. And there can, was can we text? Can we say it's a hike in, right? Yeah, you got to hike in. Yeah, and there's no cell phone service. Yeah, and you're getting bashed on rocks. Yeah, constantly. We're, we're below a giant cliff, um, and there's just no safe way in at this point. Hmm. And so, and it was getting. I had a board that was. You know, like when you have a gun that's too big, you can't duck dive. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't duck dive this board at this point. And um, so a sets just kept coming. And so I felt like at this one point I was like in deep enough water because um, I was aware of what was going on and it, I was like getting close to being in, into the rocks. But I was still in deep enough water that I was like, I got to like kind of hold my ground. And I couldn't duck dive, so this one big white water came through, and I kind of was trying to paddle, and I jumped off my board and dove down, and I ended up diving like right into a pinnacle of a rock. Oh. And um, I couldn't see it; I didn't know it was there. And my oh. fingers hit the pinnacle, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like, you know, like things slowed down at this point, and my and I tried to like stop, mm. but. Did you my hit it with hands, your hands first? Yeah, my hands like split around it, and then my head went into it, head first, and 
I the impact was really strong enough that you knew it was bad. I knew it was bad, and because you dove off your board into yeah, and the thing was much closer to the surface than I mean I, I hit it with an, with a decent amount of impact. Yeah, it wasn't jumping that high, but I still just was going square yeah. into a rock with my yeah head. yeah, and um, basically like I my neck started like shattering. Like I could hear it, like, like it sounded like a that impact. Yeah, that impact. And did you my, black out? I don't know. Um, my feet were starting to come over my head, like so. I was starting a scorpion, oh. and everything went into like super slow motion. So like I could hear my neck breaking. I could feel everything slowing down into like fuck. What was happening in like milliseconds felt like long seconds, and I'm getting. My, yeah, it was... My arms are tickling. Like, Fuck, I'm... You know, you're like going through this, going, I'm in... This is a bad situation. And my feet are coming over my head, basically. I'm starting to scorpion into this rock. And all I could do was just tense up. And at that point, my neck was like super strong from surfing big waves and all the training. And I just like braced myself and just held on and did everything I could with my neck not to let it snap. And ended up, um, you know, my neck's popping and breaking, but I'm like holding on as hard as I can so I don't actually like snap it. And, um, and it's super turbulent, it was, and it's like you're. It, not, at that point, it was more just like this is this is all that mattered. Was yeah. like my neck was. I needed to keep, like everything that was popping and breaking it was my neck but it wasn't I wasn't breaking my spinal column at this point you didn't feel a, a fire a burn a no and I, I ended up holding it together enough I to grab it I want to interrupt but no worries <laughs> I'm good I felt it um, you know shattering and I was just doing everything I could to resist it and it ended up saving my life because what was hearing most of the breaking was the tenseness. Like it ended up being like a clay shoveler fracture where your muscles pull your bones apart. So my tenseness was actually shattering and pulling my spinal, all, all the bones in my neck and breaking them because I was preventing my neck from actually buckling. Absorbing. Not just absorbing it, but you gotta think like, you know, when you see a scorpion and the neck actually would snap. My, my neck would have just folded in half. And by holding it tight, I was, I resisted that movement, but the side effect was my muscles were cracking, were cracking neck. my neck. How the fuck? Okay, first off, was this like towards the end of your session, like the beginning of the session, or was like middle, I don't know. middle of your session? Okay, and you're you're saying everything is moving slow, right? Like when you you felt it, when you felt your hands go across the thing, and then your head was yeah going it was towards like, it. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, there's like, a rock in front of me. Like all of a sudden, you're like, but everything's moving slow. You're like, your hands get separated by the rock, and then you. All you can think of is, oh no, my head. Well, you I'm just felt the impact. And yeah. Rock. So I did break my neck. I did fracture it from the impact where I 
broke um, some vertebrae, uh, but I severely broke my neck and um, joints and all this other stuff because literally my ligaments and tendons and muscles tore them off. And, and when you're saying you, you wanted to tense up your neck, you, you were thinking that. So as things were going, you were yeah, thinking that. Animal, like you, you were yeah. mentioning it. Your lizard your, brain was this, popping up. Yeah, like, this is what you got to do. My feet like, were coming over my head. Like, what do you do? My when head you... was not moving. My head was planted on this rock, and I had my full momentum of my body coming over my head, and my neck would have was so close to giving. And then the wave fucking was gone, and then I. But did it like throw you against more rocks or what? Like I don't know. I I mean that's why like people. Asked all the time, out. did you black out? Did you get knocked out? And honestly, I don't know because what happened after that was like, I definitely was coming out of some type of consciousness in and out of it, but I don't know what it was. I was barely there, and I, and it, I was in a bad. I was in a. I knew I was. I had so much training at this point because I mean we've done so much of the the big wave, the brag training that like, and I heard my neck. I was like, I got a broken neck. I can't move. And I got to stay calm. And I was just trying to assess a situation while white water was continuously rolling over the top of me. And I was seeing if I could even move and I was still moving, but I was passing out and trying to stay awake. And, um, and at this point, I had moved really close into the impact zone. So I was trying not to move because when you break your neck, you're not supposed to move. Because I was like, oh my God, well, I'm not paralyzed yet, but I could become paralyzed. Any movement, any, any movement here. And, uh, but it was really crappy because I couldn't go in where I was. I, and yeah, there's no way to take dangerous. a couple on the head that just kind of like, you know, yeah, there's no no safe zone. You're washing no... down the beach. I would have went into Boulder, so the the safest way in is up through the main part of the wave and onto this beach. And I wasn't going in, and I so I had to climb on my board and paddle back out. And I'd get on my board, and it was so painful. And I'd paddle as much as I could, and then I'd have to roll off my board and get beat, and then climb back on the board and like try to get back out and it took a long time and it was so painful and so terrible and I finally made it and the whole time I was just waiting for that moment where I was like okay I'm paralyzed like yeah because I was doing everything I wasn't supposed to be doing and I made it to the beach and I just laid down and I was just like in so much pain and it was like are you looking around going where's my friend where's my friend I was hoping that somebody would my friend would notice notice me like or on the beach yeah and but also, like, at this point, like, I just went through such a gnarly experience, and it was, like, such hell that, like, I just did everything I wasn't supposed to. I got on my board. I paddled through the impact zone. I got off. I made it to the beach. So I walked back to my stuff. And, um, and at that point... Because you, you knew there was no help coming. You, you had... Like, I, that's your only object. Like that's I could only... have laid there. I mean, I could have just laid on the beach. Somebody would eventually have noticed me coming in or went and found me. But it was like... Yeah, those are the tr- the decisions you're making in your head. Like, but I was still like... Should I just lay here and like wait for them to find me? Should I... Yeah. Are they going to come find me? Like, 
and and you gotta like be questioning yourself too like how bad could this be if I just survived that and like, on the beach it's... and there's not really anybody it's again you're you're, you're, you're dealing it's... with a situation where you're in a really remote area so even if somebody came I'm gonna have to kind of do this I'm yeah have to do this on my own too. you're on your own you're, like, you're, you're hours from being rescued yeah if at least. if that yeah so um I got to I got to my stuff and some of the guys that were there um, noticed me and because I probably had blood on me all over the place at this point <laughs> and they came and we kind of assessed my situation they helped me get my suit off and um, it was uh, if we would have called like you know a, a safe we would have had to go to the reception and then we would have it would have been hours before somebody showed up and I was um, still moving decently that um, and and I had the help there that we decided to just hike out and that was really tough because it's about maybe like a thousand vertical feet um, and yeah <laughs> did you leave your board did they just get your board yeah, somebody took a, my board up um, I tied a towel around my head and my neck, stabilize it, and a friend of mine, um, who will remain nameless, um, getting... gave me his cane. He has a cane for walking up there. He's older, and um, he said, "Take every step I do." And I one at a time. Was one foot. Super dizzy. Very very. Yeah, dizzy. I was just gonna say, were you, were you getting nauseous? I know a lot of times, like trauma like that, knowing you're that screwed up could just yeah I was not in good shape but I knew like after what I just went through in the white water that I could do this and so I I had another friend behind me that um, helped kind of guide me too but I just took every step he did and we went really slow and it took us about an hour and a half and we finally made it out but I was like super bloody had like flies all over me it was disgusting and I kept like losing my balance and falling if it wasn't for my friend behind me pushing me forward I would have like fallen off the cliff multiple times how, how long is the trek in when you're well downhill it's probably a half an hour yeah 40. and this took an hour and a half it's a lot harder going up yeah uh, but yeah it was uh imagine that it sucked yeah. it really sucked and um I knew I was in bad shape, um, but I also was like, because I knew like the situation of like where I was and I knew like how difficult it would be if I actually told everybody how bad it was and that if they, they would have probably wanted me to get emergency Airlift, help there. Yeah. And I don't think we could have airlifted out of there um, because of the cliffs, that I could have been down there for who knows how long and I want to get out of there yeah I just what I did in the whitewater was terrible that I was like I can I think I can get out of here so we got to the car and drove to we were gonna drive to at that point you're like okay which is the best hospital yeah. what, what's close but what you know like you knew you you couldn't just go show up at a no it wasn't care. urgent care and I also knew um, <clears throat> we wanted we could have went to a hospital more local to where the accident was but um, I knew that I'd probably be there a while and I had a 
six month old baby and a young kid and my wife and I knew that that would have been really hard and I was already in the car and we're already going so I was like just drive to take s- it to the wife drive to Santa Cruz dollar yeah go on selfish I'm gonna just drive to Santa Cruz I'm gonna make this convenient or freaking die but we're just gonna make that we're gonna make this convenient honey I saved on the airlift yeah the hospital on the airlift and I'm hospitalized near the house so you're welcome (laughs) you know so Going, you get, you know, you get to the hospital emergency and obviously you tell them what happened. Are they believing you like what happened based on the journey that you just went through? Or they're like, you should. Yeah, what was hard was. um, You just did what? You're here? How? Like, my friend Griffin that was with me that was, who ended up driving and uh, he was his uh, mother-in-law works at the hospital so he was talking to her they knew I was coming in they were getting ready for me but he was also talking to several doctors like on the way and he's like I think my friend broke his neck and so he's describing the situation everybody's like he's fine there's no way he broke his neck and you guys just did what you said you did it's probably just sprained or whatever bring him in so I get there and uh you know, I haven't really been honest with everybody that what had happened at this point because yeah. I didn't want to freak everybody out. Yeah. And so I just remember, like, I know I knew a bunch of the nurses that were there. Yeah. And they're stoked to see me. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you're all right. You know, this and that. We sh- we'll get a CT scan. So they put me in. We did a CT scan. And I just remember that moment because everyone was, like, super positive around me. And you knew there was going to be bad results, or, I, or at you that were point they were. Everyone kind of at this point kind of convinced me that it can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. Like, you made it here. I mean, yeah, you made it here, and you scaled the fucking thousand foot cliff. The tech that did my CT scan was like ghostly white and wouldn't talk to me anymore. Like they looked at the results and they were just like, "How like, many uh, vertebrae did you shatter?" Um, four. In your in your neck. In my neck, yeah. Um, well, I didn't like shatter, shatter, but I, you know, teardrop fractures, fractures, and pulled two spinous processes off my neck, and that's like the spinous process is called a clay shoveler's fracture, and that's what yeah. is when your muscles pull your the bones apart, and so and then later I find out that I have like tons of broken joints and ten anyway. It was extensive. Yeah. But yeah, but once they actually saw the CT, and that's not, the tech isn't supposed to talk to you about it, and the nurses and everyone started looking at the images, it was like the whole room changed. Everyone's. This is serious. They got this. Yeah, they got they wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't tell me what they saw. And um, yeah, and then that's when shit started getting real because everyone started realizing like how bad it was. And, and, uh, what was your pain level like? Because I know your, your endorphins, like, you know, once you get a traumatic injury, <laughs> you, you think it, it could last a few minutes um, or it could last, you know, an hour. But, like... So, what was interesting was... This has been a few hours since it happened. Yeah, like it was pretty... Like, the, the images were decently kind of ugly and it was alarming, but um, my, my doctor, who was in was on call as a neurosurgeon she uh is a friend of mine too just happens to she was on staff so 
they put me in like long story short is they put me in like a neck brace mm. and they're like this doesn't require surgery but you're pretty jacked up you need to just really rest and we're gonna have to just monitor the situation and you're gonna heal you know that was basically the, the situation and then I was talking with the nurses and I was like well what's the plan like when when are you guys gonna want me to leave this is just a few hours later and they're like well you can leave whenever you can walk out of here and I was like I was like well I walked in here practically like you know like I walked out of this situation like walking out of the hospital and going home sounds good to me so I'm like okay well let's go so I had my wife came by and she wanted me to stay but I was like no I'm going home and we went home I get home and starting to try to eat something and basically within being home of like a half an hour what you're talking about like all the endorphins yeah. all the adrenaline dumped and I passed out and it was pretty scary because I couldn't stay conscious I just Whoa. kept passing out and I have a broken neck so I'm like before I pass out I'm like screaming at people to grab me grab my neck and they're like holding me and so we had it fucking scared the crap out of my family that night for sure and it's baffling that they let you go i mean i understand knowing like, what i know now yes yeah i would have suggested saying it highly encouraged me to stay longer i guess but i mean for them to go well you walked in here <laughs> what, what was causing you to pass out so regularly um, it's like that a, i'm not going to pronounce it correctly but it's it's like the the vega nerve or something mm. that has to do with the heart and your adrenaline and basically you know as things started settling the adrenaline jump drop was so intense that i your heart rate went down heart rate just... went down and i passed out um and so then i got an, a ride back to the er and they kept me for a few days and i needed to be there yeah Ooh. like i was yeah, when you're you needed the fluid, you needed the bed, you needed the medication, you needed to be freaking I needed the pain sedated. I was in so much pain. Yeah. Like once the adrenaline dropped, I was in so much pain. How, how, and did I you was cut your moving. head open? Yeah. 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 Stitches. Yeah, I had. Yeah, they stapled my head together, the top of my head. But I was pulling seashells out of my head for two years. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God. I what think, is that? what I think it is and then you yeah pull. I'd be like oh here comes another and then they I still have some in there they just move around my skull and they seashells in your skull yeah they sometimes come they out they got like embedded the back of my head yeah and your body's trying to get rid of them so they like you need to find a port but they're too big yeah they're moving around and so I should have saved some of them but I've pulled out a lot so crazy that is fucking crazy yeah yeah yeah. Dude, I, thank you for sharing that yeah. crazy. I, I what's, what's? I'm sorry for interrupting. No, I was just gonna say like the you didn't tell <coughs> your, your friends like, but if you for those that have broken a bone or you know you know what it, you you know when you've broken a bone like yeah you know unless it's like maybe a, a frat you know a little frat whatever but like you know when like when you describe like I. I, did, I I felt the pieces. I heard the cracks. It, yeah. Like I broke it a couple bones, and you know, but I I was surfing. I broke my ankle, and I come. You know, I'm on the beach, and I I remember telling my friend, he's like, "What are you doing? You're like, I'm frolicking. I'm trying to crawl up the beach. You know, 
And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I broke my, my foot, called the lifeguards. I need to ride in my car and go figure this out. And he's like, you're fucking joking. And I'm like, no, I fucking broke. Like, yeah, something's broken. It's not, you know, and I, I, I was super calm, super chill. And I go, yeah, but my, my fucking foot's broken. It's something yeah. broken. And then they couldn't believe me. So we go and go and end up like broke the, the, the tip off of like my tibula or whatever, whatever the outside, you know, bone is. And, uh, you know, that's when you go and you're like, you go get an x-ray and you're like, oh, it's just a, I'm going to be in the cast. Guy looks at the thing, the x-ray, and he's like, oh yeah, um, I got an opening for surgery in about like two hours, you know, yeah. so we'll wheel you over and just wait. And I'm like, okay, cool. Surgery. Up to, yeah. Up to this time, it's maybe been an hour or two since the accident. I'm waiting. No pain, just uncomfortable, little swelling. And then it wears yeah, off. Yeah. And then I'm like waiting in the hospital and I grab my friend and I'm like, give me some fucking pills. fucking find somebody. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't, and it wasn't my ankle. It was a nerve that went up to like my whole leg from my hip down was like, it felt like it was not, I can't even explain it. It was like the craziest thing. And it just, it went from nothing to, was it like you were on your period? For, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, I, I just was like, <laughs> blown away on like how the body processes that stuff and it yeah. went from like oh this is no big deal to Dollar. like oh yeah. and then the show's not about late night but bro. Th- i'm talking about this is hours yeah, before he got to the hospital like, yeah it's crazy what and then they let him go home and then that's when his body starts you know doing what it's doing to protect itself and I, they your, let you leave your stories are they they hurt yeah. my soul well, let's end on a, a good note because you you know you've you this caused you to get scanned and you know you've had all these yeah it injuries a whole and, other journey for me and uh, you know let's end on a you know a great Woo! note on you know help, helping to you know give knowledge and help others on yeah well um, to cover that it's it's honestly the the story's good yeah but the hardest part of that whole accident was the traumatic brain injury part and um, losing my mental health and when I like like literally deteriorating going crazy becoming a detriment to myself and my family um, months after the accident and not receiving help or an understanding of what was going on was really hard and dark and um, I was in a tremendous amount of pain but it doesn't even the pain, like a, the pain of going through brain da- that much brain damage is way harder. Yeah. You know? Um, and it was, it was really, really hard. And I needed to find answers of what was going on. And I wasn't getting answers from the doctors. I was like, seeing. you're healing fine. You're just, yeah, keep, you look keep good. The, the physical therapy, you're good. But mentally, you're, you're yeah. like, there's something off. I had a neck brace on for three months. And as soon as the neck brace off, I look totally normal with like I do now. And everybody's like, you look awesome. Glad you're back. When are you going back to math? So stoked you're back. And I was like, mentally, a shadow of who I used to be. But nobody could, nobody knew that was because it wasn't a physical attribute. Yeah, it was, like it was all, all mental and mental health. So what were you? And it wasn't diagnosed. Nobody even said, "Hey, you, you, you should no, go I see was, these people." I it was, was begging my doctors to help and trying to describe the situation, and they just. What were you know, feeling? Like depression or? Suicide, depression, depression, suicide. Um, I could hardly like type out 
a sentence. Like focus. Uh, couldn't focus on anything. Couldn't remember everything. I would have to write everything down. Like, Were you self-medicating or drinking to like kind of? Um, I was. It? I was. I got off the pills as quickly as I could, but it was about two months later, and I was smoking weed because. I was in so much pain I needed something yeah and honestly I was drinking that's the best thing for you right yeah I was drinking a little bit of tequila to ease the pain too which honestly was way better than Percocets and Narcos and all that other stuff so but I was in I was in so much pain that every other day I was throwing up from my migraines every day I was in a migraine and every other day I'd be throwing up I was in that much pain we get blurry vision and yeah I'd have to put myself into dark rooms and just but it was getting worse and worse and worse. And we're talking about like month four or five wow. where it was getting worse. And so well, you everyone felt physically fine, but your brain was I didn't feel up. physically fine. I still had a broken neck. My, but um, my mental health was way, like being very aware of like where I was physically, I was way more worried about what my mind, where my condition of my mind was. Because yeah. I was having a really hard time not doing really scary compulsive behaviors, um, and I when I when you drive around places and you see all the homeless on the street and all the all the other shit, and you're like, how the hell do people get to that point? Yeah, I was like realizing that wasn't going to be me. Wow, because I. You're like, how am I going to hold a job? How am I going to be a dad? How am I going to hold a job? I wasn't going to keep my wife and my kids around. They needed to, they were, like, what do you say? Like, it's, it's, uh, it was, I was getting to be dangerous to be around. Was your your family and stuff support, like, what were their, I mean, they They were trying, but they, I was such an asshole that, um, you weren't letting them in. They, I would, no, it, it's, it was, uh, my brain was so slow that if I was asked a question by my wife, it, I couldn't answer it fast enough that there, I had to really like think about the answer because I couldn't just answer a question. I was so mentally slow. And she thought I was ignoring her, so she'd ask another question, and then she'd ask another question. I'd be trying to explain myself, and then I'd have like no filter, so I'd, then I'd start like lashing out, lashing out, and it got to the point where I just stopped talking because it was like why talk if it's going to get yeah, me this much? It was like nobody wants to take the time to hear what I was going to say. Anything I say is taken the wrong way. That I'm, they're mad at me if I don't say anything but they're less mad at me if I say nothing yeah so I just what a fucking trip it was terrible yeah and so um that was I was looking for answers to this because I believed that I could heal if I gave if I found the right way and somebody's had to have done it and then that's where the Amen clinic came in and Dr. Amen um was introduced me through a mutual friend and she was like a fan of um, her name's Barbara Bridges she's a fan of all of us at Maverick she lives in Half Moon Bay and um, said Dr. Amon you need to scan this surfer's brain I, you know and he looked me up on YouTube or whatever and was like 
yeah, I want to see what this guy's brain looks like. And so I went in and, and you got to understand, like at this point, my wife and I were hardly talking. We're not communicating like yeah. we're in, a, in any healthy relationship or in a healthy, re- I was just, I was an asshole I, and I couldn't help it. I had no filter. It was so hard for me not to well, say, it was like, t- if, if you're feeling like shit physically or mentally, like you're, yeah, you you just become, you know, yeah. you become a dick. Yeah, I was a dick. And um, we went to the aiming clinic and everybody around me is telling me like, you got to get your shit together. You got to like snap out of it. You're being a jerk, like pull it together. Come on. It's all about, it was all about my bad attitude. And um, we got my scans and Dr. Amina, who works at, um, up here in Northern California, reviewed my scans with me and he was the one that like explained it to me. It's like, you know. This isn't your fault? This like, isn't this your fault. Is like, you have significant brain damage. All those things that you're going through are because you can't physically do any of those things. You don't have the emotion. You don't have, you're nothing like you used to be. Like you have the brain of a football player. Could they tell which part, like, which, yeah, they could tell, like, which parts, which parts were bruised or damaged, and yeah. And, um, for me, it was the most important part was like my wife finally understood, like, what was going on, yeah, you know, because her and I are super close, we've been together since we've been 18, and you know, she unfortunately had to live with a big wave surfer she didn't yeah. she didn't like fall in love with me because i was a big wave surfer like that, was, that was part, part of the lifestyle life. before yeah. it became part of the relationship and so it was hard on her um yeah and then to go through that we were really close but i could just tell like we weren't gonna last like it just it was i was it was that bad i wasn't gonna have a relationship with my kids anymore so the and, doctor uh, sat you guys down and set us down and and broke it down and and she actually understood what was going on and that was the first point where she like to understand it's like to understand what's going on you can have compassion for the person that's going through it yeah you know it's like you're imagine never nobody ever believing you that you had a broken ankle yeah you know and never getting an x-ray i got my x-ray finally and and they looked at my brain and they're like sean's not making shit up everything yeah. sean's saying is wrong is wrong to the yeah. ninth degree and we have to put a plan together and we can rebuild his brain. Wow. And so I think that was six years ago and I'm still doing a ton of that stuff, but I've for sure rebuilt my brain, possibly even better than it was before. Awesome. And thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Really, because you got to hit that um, that uh, monthly goal, quarter goal, (laughs) that that growth plan for a reason. I'm smarter now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, just to be able to have relationships again, and to be able to like love and treat the people you love with like kindness and respect, and be able to, you know, be there present, is is everything. And like, it's made me a better person. And um, but there's a lot of people struggling and going through similar situations that aren't getting answers like I did yeah and so I've just really um, tried to be more of an advocate and share everything that I've done and um, shared what I've learned because even clinics like the Amen clinic that's really on the forefront of this learned a ton of stuff just from my experience and what yeah I showed them of what's possible by connecting doctors and now they treat head trauma differently yeah and that's a that's a kind of a you know without saying what a 
you know, going through what you went through is nobody should go through, but there's always like a silver lining and something yeah. like that where they get to study something that you're, you know, what you went through, you know, gave them probably a, a ton of new insight and experience on, on, you know, just learning what, what they do as their profession, you know? What yeah. kind of treatments have you gone through? Um, I've done a lot of hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Those are, um, where you get in a oxygen chamber that's like has uh, pure oxygen breathing into it and they put you in under pressure and it's pretty amazing because it regenerates like stem cells tissues and you start healing like three times as fast it's what the sport dudes do yeah it's Rich people do super super next level and amazing yeah um, I've done a bunch of it was it's called hormone therapy where they balance your hormones because when you have a brain injury your hormones get super out of whack because if you think about it your brain regulates all everything. your f everything yeah and it does it without thinking about it but it is doing it and so when you have a brain injury all your hormones start getting unbalanced and it starts creating like a domino effect and all that inflammation in your brain starts wrecking all your symptoms and so if you don't get that stuff in check like your testosterone for like a male is like one of the telltale signs drops a lot and when a guy has low t they're depressed they're low energy and that's just one sign of like a head injury so how are how you, you how are you sleeping like through like after you know after you you know you, you don't have a neck brace you know and you're somewhat mended but like uh, was sleeping always was been sleeping an issue like, no, sleeping wasn't much of an issue. Once I got off the Narcos and all those painkillers, mm -hmm. I wasn't sleeping on that stuff, and sleep's, like, really important to healing a brain injury. Yeah, that's what I was... I was sleeping, like, 12 hours a day. Too much? naps. No, yeah. you need it. Like, yeah. so when, you're, when you sleep, it's when yeah, that's your the brain's main... janitor shows up, yeah. and <laughs> you your brain gets clean. That's why yeah. us human beings need to sleep so long, is because our brain yeah. creates so much uses so much energy that it creates waste yeah. and so when you sleep that's the only time that your brain actually goes in and detoxifies and cleans that stuff out but when you have a head injury your brain and your bloodstream and all this stuff is overwhelmed by inflammation and crap mm. and so you do need to sleep a lot but to be honest you wow. can't just sleep a head injury off you have to go in and do Mended. these yeah, like chambers, you have to do hormones. And then lately what I've been doing the last several years is like um, stem cells and peptides and doing big IPUs of those. And those are by far the most beneficial and fastest healing. Crazy. And um, yeah, sure. it's, it's yeah. radical, but you know, your, your brain can reheal, your brain can regenerate. Yeah. You know, I think it's a lot harder to regenerate a kidney and your organs but your brain wants to and so if you give it the environment and the nutrition and the and then and the things yeah, it needs care. to regenerate it yeah. will there's so a, much unknown you know they for how far we are in 2022 on like what we learned in science like they still only know a little schmidget of what the brain is really about it's crazy it's, yeah it's mind-blowing and scary when when you were talking about you know, not not knowing how to interact with your wife and like driving around seeing homeless people and thinking, fuck, that's, I might end up that way. Crazy, right? Yeah. And lose everything. And it's scary. 
and it's not to make light of it. It's it's so crazy because like, look at all the fucking crazy people there are in this world, right? In Santa yeah. Cruz alone, all those people, and it's sad because it's like, how does that happen? You know what? Drugs, drugs are bad. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> really bad. I said not to make light of this, dude. Yeah, no, but no, but, but yeah, I mean, drugs like, are probably the number one reason. Yeah, but what do drugs do? They fuck with your brain yeah. and they they ruin people's mental health and yeah. people start making poor decisions and the chemical also imbalances, they could have just had an accident the yeah. chemical imbalances that are already there yeah. drugs tip it the wrong way probably yeah, and right? western medicine isn't doing shit to help people with mental no. health no amen period so amen we don't have meds all this other stuff isn't solving the problem functioning problem yeah. with the brain so we need to rebuild brains we need to get people have healthy brains so that yeah. they can go have a healthy life and it's just shitty that it's all about profit yeah 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 so you know your six years of doing the rehab right right now yeah. like you're you seem like you're back better yeah i think it feels I like you're, you're, yeah you're yeah you so know, i don't i don't i don't i don't <laughs> Yeah, I don't wish that upon anybody, you know? Like, that is just gnarly trauma. I Yeah, I, I can't believe uh, that story. And that story is just crazy. Like, Yeah, the, I mean, you, you've you had nine lives, buddy. You know? <laughs> I'm on my 10th. That's yeah, what I tell people. No more. Yeah. Um, I'm on my 10th life somehow. I shouldn't be here. Yeah. So, from, from uh, going back, you went... From Excel and Von Zipper and Reef, and then what? <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't know. Let's, my, oh let's, brain, let's get it light. Let's go back to the lighter side of it. Lo- overloaded his brain. You want to fast track? The, the quick rep story is uh, Reef, after that um, XXL win, um, Reef was putting together like an insane rep team. They had. Uh, like, Big wave guys, yeah. So yeah, um, Rusty Long and well, Rusty Long now. Greg but they Long. put um, Greg was not a rep. But I'm sorry, they, they Rusty put, though. They put, but he was later. Yeah. But there was like this moment where it was um, Sean Moody in Hawaii, Mike Nickens in Maui, um, Mike Lostness for Southern California, um, Core Sir. Yeah, Core Surf, Jared. Um, Lane Salty Crew was um, San Diego. Um, Anyway, they just had this like insane rep team. And they wanted me to like not do those other brands. And so they made me an offer and supported my big wave surfing. Um, And it was. So rep slash team rider? Yeah, but it was more rep. Way more rep than team rider. But it was still like. That's cool though. It was so cool because it was it like helps I them. Was, you're in the spotlight and Yeah, and I wanted to focus more on um it was a lot of work doing all these brands and I wanted to just to be able to do reef and surf big waves. And I at that point I was on the big wave world tour. Um and You did the big wave world tour? Yeah. Sick. That was pretty fun. I think I got fourth two years, which was kinda cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't really just, matter, but no, I but wasn't just to, really tr- just to survive. A, How many yeah. contests were there? Not many. <laughs> it's yeah. like 
two, Every three, year four, there'd four, be like five, six right? on the schedule. You'd be lucky six. to get two done, maybe yeah. three. But it was awesome, dude. It was like... Travel with your peers. and Yeah, you know, I was going to travel with like Healy and the Long Brothers and all my wassail. And it was just like the coolest thing. It was like, yeah. like I said, I never thought I was ever going to be a professional surfer. I really tried to be. And all of a sudden I find myself as a professional surfer traveling to these insanely crazy waves with a bunch of animals what, and it was what, what so fun did you do? i went to peru um puerto escondido i would go to hawaii um but really i kind of what was hard for me was i was a rep and we were really busy i couldn't like go to F- fiji and i never did any of those couldn't chase some of the, like code red swells or so code... like code red like for instance like happened in the middle of a deadline and i just I don't know. Yeah, it, just, like, it was like important. I kind of yeah. I'm not really a big. I'm not really <laughs> yeah. a professional surfer when things like, like this. Is I'm cool really if like, it works out in my schedule, but yeah. yeah. And also like, I kind of really knew that like Mavs was my cup of tea. Yeah, it was my it was my thing, and like, I didn't ever. I never surfed cloud break, so or and I didn't like toe surfing, so I didn't really want to go and just show up to like. Nazareth. 30, oh God, Nazareth. <laughs> I kept, I almost went a few times, but dude, the, it was, it was much like the way nothing ever got me there mm. and I was scared of it. Yeah. And it, it's okay. I think it's totally okay to be scared and know your limits. And, um, Nazareth scared the crap out of me. I didn't want to go. It looked really tough to paddle. And I mean, it is, it is. but right. and I really didn't. Every time I'd tow and I'd get behind the rope and they'd let and I'd let go, I didn't enjoy the feeling. Like it was weird. It was like this. Like I'm not supposed to be here doing this you're, type of. You're I, not in the sweet spot, but yet you're close to the sweet spot. So there's a lot of variables to. Well, it's like, just I connected my. Sounds cheesy, but my soul connected with the ocean when I paddled. Yeah. Like I was. Living my best life, and super happy paddling in the waves yeah yeah when i tow in waves it never really felt right yeah and are you you uh, riding different boards when you tow yeah no it was cool but it wasn't like i would rather paddle into one wave than tow into 10 yeah but but when you towed were you riding different boards yeah i was riding like short boards i mean proper tow boards and stuff and they were insane but yeah it was just i I don't know (laughs) it's just this connection i had to paddling (laughs) You ever seen a towboard? You think everybody knows? <laughs> like some people tow on regular boards. Yeah, not these guys. I know, but like <laughs> I'm trying to get the story out, bro. So, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Big, big wave tour. So I was doing the big wave tour. I was working for Reef. It was challenging because I was trying to manage a professional career and a professional family, family and surfing <laughs> career. And like I'd be like flying to Porto trying to do forecasting and spreadsheets a whole flight i'm flying down there trying to work i got skin dog over here four yeah. beers four beers deep feely behind me you know what i mean everybody like go to porto and like they're gonna go do yoga the whole time and chill and i'm gonna be like working on emails and, and it was just and then i had a it was just hard like yeah. i don't know it was uh you're more of a worker than a party well, it wasn't, I would party too with them. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I, yeah. But it was, it was, I had work to do. Yeah. There was just work to be done. Like it wasn't my yeah. job to be down there and serve. I was. So, but you, you talk about all these 
trips, big wave trips. Do you do you get stoked just going to a six foot point break and Hell like? Yeah. You it's know? the best. It's the best. Remember right? him ripping yeah. the fucking uh, yeah. 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 But I, but you so know, here bitch. he is for years. He's just you know, most of his trips are because somewhere is going to be yeah four hundred feet. Are you still and, yeah. doing it? Big waves? No. Yeah. I, I you gave it felt. up. I just don't. I think maybe my body could do it, but I don't know how I do in a wipeout. When when was and the last I, time? Three months ago. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, Last we got to define big. 20 foot. I've served 20, maybe you a 30 foot wave. You still. I'm, Mavericks is a. Another. That's just, if I surf Mavericks again, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, so, I would love to, but I just don't know if that's going to ever happen again. When's yeah. the last time you surfed Mavericks? It'd be probably 2015 before my accident. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did, don't blame you. Did Peter Mel's. Wave last year, yeah. Make you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I was. That was incredible. Number one. <laughs> number one. Number and one. It was. That was the was, wave and the human. That that those two. I don't. I, I don't think there's been a better wave ridden in human history. Fuck. Period. Like that size. Well, even. Just. Yeah, I mean, everything. you throw in the size compared to. The drop, it's just the everything's angle, the wrong with it, and then his <laughs> his casual attitude in the tube just doesn't make sense. Yeah, like I would have been crouching and probably jumped. How old just, is fifty one? Uh, I don't know. Would that he's happen? A stud. He's, he's a, stud. a stud. And what I mean, again, not getting off topic, you know, but that was a special yeah. wave with a special dude at his special spot. Like, yeah. Again, what happened to you on the intermission? Like you know. Like, that happens to people, you know, and that happened to Pete on yeah. that day, for sure. Yeah, but, like, I was up there a little, two winters ago when they had that gigantic day that was super clean. I was um, driving my jet ski and doing water safety up there, and and I wanted to surf. If I had a board packed, I probably would have paddled out, but I purposely was like, I'm not packing a board. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I just don't. For everything I've been through mentally and physically, I don't really want to go back. And I, um, I'm i really torn to be like... I in. wouldn't even be fucking on a ski out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you have that, you know the feeling, you know the reward, you know the consequences, yeah. and that's what draws you... Were you going to say only a dollar knows the feeling? Only a dollar knows the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's hard because you look at it and you're like, I mentally I can go do it, but physically I just I don't know if I could. Yeah. So we didn't ask you, but were you training? Like, you know how people fucking train. I was you know? training quite a bit. Wim Hof shit and like originally running no. running underneath the water, yeah. with a fucking rock. <laughs> originally no, but then once I got after Mavs and then the Big Wave World Tour started and I started doing that, I started training. I was doing CrossFit and. I was like running our beaches and swimming buoys, running, swimming, running, swimming, and yeah, because it was really hard to be in shape and ready to go like anytime, anywhere, and so I, I trained super hard, but it was interesting because most, I was training not to die, like yeah, you're, like you're training to survive horrible things, so like you weren't like 
I'm gonna go train to catch a huge wave. It was like I'm gonna go train to get the shit beat out of me and yeah. like to like come home to my family. And I don't know. That's part of like the regimen of a big wave surfer. And if I was to go surf Mavericks again, I would need to train like that. I would need to get into that type Man, of mental state. Because you and need it be physically, but that, it helps on the mental side too, yeah. knowing that you and that's not are prepared. That fun of a place to be mentally, to be honest. Like it gets old. Yeah. The the discipline and the mindset that you have to achieve with that kind of surfing is fucking wacky. You gotta want it. That's what I said. There's no money, there's no dollar that, that's gonna motivate you. You just, it's it's in your DNA. Yeah. But it honestly was the coolest, wildest stuff I've ever done. Like, yeah. that was, like, the riding that wave at Cortez Bank, I will never forget. And it was the most alive I've ever felt. about that one. So. Yeah, that was yeah. your other world record at 61 feet. 62? Yeah. 61. You towed in on that one? No, I paddled. Holy that was a paddle shit. wave. Um, and what a, I mean, what a special place that is too. You know, it's like, it's yeah. literally a reef, like cloud break, but in the middle of the Pacific ocean, right? Isn't 61 it like, foot you said? Maybe it's not mm-hmm. quite cloud break cause it's not as exposed, but it's just, it's an, it's part of the channel islands. It just never well, surfaced. What are you riding? I was riding in 10.6, uh, <laughs> JS, I was shaped by Stu Kenson. And uh, Peter Mel called me and was like, hey, you want to come to Cortez with us? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, he said, come on, I really kind of need you to go think about it. And I was like, can I, can I think about it? Because I was like, didn't want to go. I was, again, I was scared. And, uh, and it was out of my comfort zone. But I thought, of, thought it over and then called Pete back. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. And I was like, in my head, I'm going to just do, like, water safety. I'm not going to, like, paddle in. Well, I wanted to paddle in, but I wasn't, like, I could you, get you myself to there in my head. Yeah. yeah, like, if I'm going to go and watch over these guys and bring my jet ski and not put this pressure that I need to go surf, because I'm not a professional, I'm not getting paid by anybody, I don't have, like, a sponsor contract, you know, i got to just show up. And those guys, you and don't want to take away from those guys who are, who are trying perform. to make a living, like, you know? But he yeah. did. But he did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my 10-6, I'd never ridden or literally showed up the night before from Southern California, just happened to be done and like met Leon at the Billabong parking lot, threw it in the truck and then drove to Southern California. It's pretty crazy like that that board just, it was for Jaws, happened to show up the night before that trip. Wait, you were going to surf Jaws at one point in time? I surfed it once, but yeah. I, I was getting ready to, that was when Jaws was starting to like, yeah, really be, be a spot. spot. And um, it was like, okay, if you're gonna do the big wave world tour, like you have to be able to surf Jaws. Ugh. But yeah, that wave at Cortez was, just finding myself out there was mind blowing. It was. Had you been there before? Never been there, no. And it is, I really don't, I'll never go back. Do they, does that, I mean, how do you even know if it's break? I mean, you know the charts and you see it, but like, how do they, you know, they know like to pull it off? Like, that's, <laughs> read the I movies, know, right? Dude. I know, but like, that's all. That's, that's all like guys like Sponsler. Yeah, he was out there with us. Um, he was on Greg Long's boat. They have that stuff pretty dialed, but they're still taking a chance because there's so much. And I, 
I'm not that forecast surfer guy. Like, I know decent amount of information, but I don't nerd out and can't, like... Those guys are really good. And you, so... They, I don't understand they, these... The minds you guys have of, like... Because to gear up for something like that, and you are saying you're gearing up to be water safety, and then you, you, you get there... Because that... The whole ordeal of, of going out there is, it's a fucking... Production. It's a production. Yeah. You know, you're loading up all your stuff, your jet ski, your fucking boards, your booties, your everything. And yeah, then, how a, long is the commute from port to... I think it took us like 12 hours to get out there, but it was... What was so savage about it was, is uh, we rounded San Clemente Island, and we start going into the swell, and it's like... 10 foot seas, 20 foot seas, 30 foot seas. Next thing you know, you're like powering boats into 30 foot plus seas. And you're like, this is so wrong. Like every other, everyone else is running from the thing and we're like going out. And when you get there, there's literally no land in sight. And it and the was, boat's going. Yeah, and the waves were huge. And it was, when we got there, it was onshore and ugly. And I was like, so tired because I had just driven from Santa Cruz hopped on the boat I couldn't sleep that night because I was so like psyched psyched and freaking out plus it's um, 10 foot 20 foot 30 foot seas yeah and I don't do that great in boats Um, so Rob Brown I was on Rob Brown's boat with Peter Mel um, put it together it was a Quicksilver Waterman's boat Mark Healy um, Jamie Mitchell Rusty Long um, were the surfers I don't think I'm missing anybody and then um, gosh there was a photographer on the boat too um, which I'm forgetting now but anyway I apologize about that it's hard to keep track of everything um, yeah per- brain trauma guys let's give them a freaking brain uh, right? I can hear you on the other side of the mic giving them some shit let's Chill. see uh, but anyway I got there and I, I was like I gotta go to bed so I got it was all onshore and shitty and people weren't going to surf yet. So I took a little nap. I don't know how long I slept for, but then I wake up and the whole day. it's on. And I watched Greg Long like paddle into the first wave and like eat it. And it was a huge wave and he got pounded. And it was like everyone's like scrambling to put on their suits and it's on. And it was like, okay, um, got to get my suit on and like water safety time. Yeah. Um, how many skis did you guys bring with you? A couple boats, right? We had two skis in our boat, and then Greg Long had crewed another giant boat, and we were kind of tagging along. Like, I don't know how this... Yeah. I think Greg was trying to be secretive about the trip. He had his trip. Peter Mal wanted to go, too. It was, like, the swell to go for. The two groups, I don't know if they were talking or not. I'm just along for the ride. But they had, like this huge huge boat um and they probably had like four jet skis they had um like a bunch of operators it was like who was with them um frank yardy and some of those guys were with them so they were like ready to go so they had like their safety team and um so it this was, was starting, at, sorry to interrupt, but was this before or after like 
Gerlach got that one wave. Way and, after that. Way this after. Is, so this is, I can't guess, but maybe ten years after that, five years after that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you knew like. I think this was the first paddle mission, like proper paddle mission to Cortez Bank. It had always been. So even though guys attempted to paddle it. Yeah. This they've towed it. I mean like step in the liquid you've seen that like yeah. those guys killed it and so like guys like craig really wanted to paddle it they really wanted to paddle it and this was the mission to do that and like you said there's no land in sight there's no no markers or whatever were they did they previously like put up buoys or was there any sort of like no what organization? we found was they, I did see some guys try to drop some buoys, but they got swept away. But there was a bunch of crab buoys out there. Hmm. And so that was what I ended up using to mark like where I was. But it was eerie because you there wasn't any lineups. So crazy. So like at points, you know, during lulls, there wouldn't really even be much white water. And you'd be like, where am I? And you, <laughs> there's a buoy out there. There's some boats. There's no markers. You're There's no markers. Crab, crab. Guys are trying to figure out the swell is building, and it's onshore, so there's a lot of texture, and it's really difficult conditions. And I'm on the jet ski doing water safety and kind of understand, like, what Cortez is doing. And um, we go from, like, 30-foot sets to 35 to 40-foot sets, and it keeps getting bigger. And... The guys are having a really hard time catching waves because the swell's building fast, which means the lineup's moving, but there's no markers. So they're really playing cat and mouse. And the field is so huge that you can't really get that close to them. And so it was just, everything was like, what, it, like the conditions were changing quick. And it started getting to the point where it was like, and it wasn't it, clean. It wasn't that clean. Like sun was going to set in about an hour. So it was like time was winding down. The swell was jumping fast. And it was, uh, you had like every single, the best big wave surfers in the world were out there, you know. Um, Healy, Dorian. Uh, Mel. Mel, Long. Like Long. Yeah. the list goes on and on. And they're all frothing. frothing. <laughs> and so I'm on the ski watching it. <laughs> And like, like, whoa, like, this is super gnarly. Like, this is like, this is insane. Like, this is purely insane. And, um, I see a whole bunch of sets come through. And, and what was interesting was I had had this unique perspective by all those other surfers are in the bowl trying to catch waves. And so they, they're not getting a chance to like slow down and like see, see the line. Yeah. You're, on. you're kind of remove back a little bit on the ski seeing the big picture yeah so i'm watching the patterns i'm watching like like they're surfing this main bowl and it keeps getting bigger but there's a bowl outside of them that is starting to crack and it's actually starting to break and that wave is as it gets bigger looks better than what they're surfing but this wave is way deeper up the point and looks way more dangerous and um but like that might be the spot and then all of a sudden like it was really interesting because i something hit me where i was like 
okay, I need to get off the ski and get my board. And so I... You kind of pass everybody? Yeah. I, Where I, are you going? I went to the boat. I went to the boat, um, grabbed my board, and gave my jet ski to the photographer um, and paddled out and, like, knew, like, we only had maybe, like, a half an hour before it was, like, sunset and the light was changing and the swell was building super fast. And um, I was going to go sit with the guys on, like, the main pack, but, like, they were, like... Cluster. on every wave and there was like 12 of them and they're the best in the world and it was like I don't know if I'd actually get a wave like yeah. you know like it's like you're here yeah you're going you want to at least catch one I want to catch one and the best way is we're breaking outside of them on the main outer peak and I could go sit there by myself and not have like the distractions of guys paddle battling you because oh like this is the time when like if you catch a wave somebody's will totally shoulder off you. Yeah. Like, it's like a free-for-all out there. And um, so I paddled out past everyone, went out to this outer peak, and the swell was just coming in, like, full-on, and it was so intimidating because how, there was... How far is the distance between the two peaks? Um, it was a good 100 yards, at least. It was like Gosh, surfing... Damn. Like And these waves are 60 foot first peak or like sewer peak you know it was like that for everyone was surfing first peak but you're starting to see sewer peak break and yeah. then on a set it looked like you could ride away from sewer peak through first peak and so he's I never been there before no but he's been watching on the ski kind been of watching on the ski and and honestly oh, i got I, it wired now well you gotta like i'm doing the math in my head going like there's all there's going to be a couple more sets before it's not safe to be out here anymore it's getting too dark and I would rather take a shot and put myself in the best position than to be battling with all my friends that are the best um, and be forced into a wave or not get it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like I can, I do better in my own environment by myself. Um, so I paddled up there, past everyone. Did they say, what are you doing? Where are you going? No? They're just worried yeah, about there? I think they said some stuff. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Um, I don't really remember, but I paddled past him, got out to the spot, and it was so gnarly because there was nothing to line up on, and there's no, like, indicators out there. So every set that came, I was too far inside, and so I'd be, like, almost getting taken out by these giant sets, and we're talking about, like, these waves now are, like, the biggest I've ever seen. Like, we're not talking about, like, 40-foot waves. We're talking about, like, 50-foot waves now. And, um... So I started like marking crab buoys and being like, I got to try to hang on that crab buoy. And the next set that would come, I'd be like, I'm super far out. Like, this is for sure the spot. Like, the set would be way bigger. Is there a jet ski for you too? (laughs) (laughs) The the cameramen are on the jet skis way in the side trying to get a photo. So I attempted to paddle for one wave during this time. And I almost went over the falls on it. Like, I had to pull back last minute and... Oh, Frank and like Adam Rapopo, some of the guys that were operating the jet skis were like, we're so stoked you didn't go on that wave or fall because they're like, I don't know who could have gotten you. So like I was kind of in the zone where I was really going to be out on my own because it's so hard to get to surfers when they fall out there. And so um, it was just terrifying because it was like I was super committed. I knew I wanted to catch a wave, but every time a set would come, I'd almost get cleaned up. Oh. And the swells were getting 
huge, like freaking huge. And um, anyway, I was playing this game where I was <laughs> playing a game. I was like, okay, I always did this at Mavericks too, where I'd be like, I'm dropping in my head. There's those waves. A wave has been formed for like a day or two before it even hits a yeah. surf spot, right? So like. When I'd be laying in bed before Mavs, I'd be like, there's 10 waves of my name on it coming right now. I just got to go meet it. Wow. So I'd, uh, I kept telling myself, like, there's one with my name there's on it. There's one with my name on it. And I kept dropping my name on it, and it would come and it would almost break in my head. And I'd be, like, pissed. Like, there's one out of 10 gone. Yeah. There's, it's like, the eight time's waves. running out. Yeah, three. The sun's going to set. Like, swell's getting bigger. I can't find the right spot. And so I did one more. And this huge set comes and uh, I remember paddling out and I get kind of the place where I can finally like see the wave coming so you're going over like a one set wave and you see like yeah multiple but I know like the big ones are behind it yeah and so when I get face to face with like the wave that I ended up catching I it was like cresting and I was like oh my god like this thing is gonna break on my head and I'm gonna die like it was this you know, I mean, it was a 61 foot wave, but it was the biggest wave I've ever seen. And it looked like it was about to break. And so I was paddling like as hard as I can. And I had this plan, which I've never had to think about, which was thing breaks in front of me. I don't think I could survive the white water. Yeah. Like I'd be under for too long. So I need to dive down. I will take my leash off because I can't be attached to my board at this point, And I'm going to pull my vest and try to come out the backside of it. Oh my Which, gosh. And it was like, that was the thinking. Like, I've never thought that before, but I was like, maybe that's my strategy because I'm screwed. And so I'm literally piling up this wave or towards it and up it. And it was so big that, like, you had, like, this massive amount of time to, like, think about all this stuff. And I, <laughs> and I see this, like, chip in the wave, this chip shot. And I also realized the wave's actually not going to break and I'm going to make it. So I'm like, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make it over this wave. And I'm like, there's a chip shot. And I'm like, I'm going to cat. And I, and I, you just didn't think I just, just, I just spun it, it, hit that spot, and caught the wave. And a 10 6, he spun around. Yeah. And stood up and like rodeo rode like, like down the face. And I remember making it to the bottom. And I hit the smooth water and I started bottom train and that's like when like consciousness like came where I was like I just made the drop I just made the drop and I'm bottom turning oh my god this is happening because it was like full survival up to are that those point. guys still like can you see them inside or you don't even see them you don't even know no, they're like at this point when I'm bottom turning now they're like right there so now I'm moving into their zone and they're so as, pissed to you yeah they're like <laughs> they're, they're, they're screaming they're screaming yeah. But yeah, there might be a little mad, but they're, they're psyched too. And they're like screaming and I'm like, but I, I'm watching them start to scramble for the horizon. And I'm like, Oh God. Like, cause I was planning on like bottom turning and then just pulling out of the wave. Like I'm out of here. Around like, them. Done it. Well, not just like get to safety. Like yeah, yeah. these waves go so long that like, you knew there was more behind you. There was more behind it. And I wanted to get the hell out of there. And, uh, so I, come off the bottom turn and come up and I get a peek over and there's a wave just the same size that are swinging so wide and those guys are now trying to get out not of get out of the way and if I would have kicked out 
I would have been right in the impact zone of that thing. So I like had to highlight it, down. drop back down and try to ride that wave. And I rode that wave for probably like at least a quarter mile. Dang. It was so long. And like, oh my god! it was the fastest I'd ever went. It was like so critical, but like the wave was so fast that like, and it was horseshoeing around because there's no like land. It just kept spinning, spinning, spinning. That it was like spinning on itself. So like, I felt like I was almost like doing a 180 on the wave. Yeah. And then it finally clipped me because I couldn't keep up with it. it way down the line, it was like half the size. But are you pumping down the line on no. a 10-6? I kind of was, yeah. No. <laughs> I, I, was. I was. I was doing it. Watch the video. I'm like, I'm getting like. The board is your your, the board feels like a toothpick that size of a wave. Like you're doing things that don't feel right, but they're like a toothpick. And uh, but I got the crap beat out of me on that that small on the inside, and so like I can't imagine what that would have been like if I would. Did those guys get cleaned, or they most of them scrap out? I think they all made it over the wave. I don't know for For sure. sure. Yeah. But um, did you realize? how big it was until like the footage and photo like when you got back to the boat later or you knew it was big like um like biggest wave you've ever caught i knew it was the biggest wave i'd ever caught but um as soon as i got in um i put my board on the boat immediately and i got back on the jet ski and um i was like one and done i'm good and and that was the next set was the set that greg long and um got dropped in on and uh, drowned and a whole bunch of people caught waves and it was like total carnage out there and um, so we immediately went into like triage yeah getting Greg getting the guys out getting Greg to a boat getting him on CPR and then holy trying to get a Coast Guard helicopter out there and I mean that all lasted a several hours. Yeah. So there wasn't any time to, to be celebrate like, or, or even think about it. It's yeah, like you're, it was, you're you're it was really gnarly. Like we were well into the night dealing with that situation. Yeah. And wow. Yeah, it wasn't I knew I'd caught a really big wave, but I never like it didn't hit me to like You're like I, one everybody's catching big waves that day. It's just yeah, everyone was, everyone was catching huge waves. Yeah. But I when I got in and Surfline posted a photo before I got home. I was like, can't, like I, I couldn't drive home that night. I like camped at like Refugio, mm. slept in the car. Somebody sent me a picture from Surfline and I saw the picture and I was just like, like I couldn't believe Did it. Did they announce like, the winner yet or no? No, 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 no it, was just, it was more just like, I got to see like how big it was. And it was just scared. The, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, the thing's huge. Yeah. So well, when did you find out that you won? at the XXL which was probably like in March I think I rode the wave in it was two days before Christmas or three mm. days before Christmas so and then it was like March but so. yeah that was like that was just a nuts experience <laughs> yeah oh my god I can only imagine Christmas came in, in March yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was a way better, bigger win that XL bigger yeah well also like I won, um, I beat all the tow guys that year for Biggest Wave. Yeah. Which never had been done. And so it was really fun. It just, it felt like that, Whew. that XXL was different because the other one was like, who's this guy? This one was like, 
These are all my friends. Can you back now. it up? I'm... Is this guy one and done? Yeah. No, he's not actually. Dude. Yeah, he, he's one. It was around. It was. Yeah. It was an, an absolutely incredible experience. Excuse me for my language, Sean Mother. Fucking dollar, dollar bill. He's got a pipe now. It's okay. It's an adult show. No kids are Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Is We're right. That's a great way to um, yeah, thanks. end. But uh, we have to end this. Yeah. Um, Gnarly. <laughs> outside of that double life you live, congratulations on everything you're you're doing on the, uh, the repping side. Yeah. And, Beautiful you know, showroom here. Yeah. At- Salty crew. Salty crew, he's oh, got a reef. reef. Oh. And everything else, I don't know. Good, but yeah, yeah things are good. Yeah. I'm really fortunate. I've been having a lot of support from the industry, and it's I'm honestly being a surfer up's been the raddest thing ever. Yeah, it's yeah. been a lot of fun. Well, it's it's really awesome to to have heard your story about like you know getting into surfing, not really making it, saving As a all competitor, that. You know. Loving it. Saving all that money to compete in that contest and then being let down and losing first round, right? Being a sub rep for your idol, Skin Dog at the time. Yeah, yeah. Skin Dog, like, getting you into the biggest, uh, into Mavericks, which you've never surfed. Yeah, if it wasn't for him, I never, I don't think I would have surfed it. So yeah, crazy. and then doing it again, but then winning your first XXL or world record for, yeah, at the same spot. Yeah, doing the, being a caddy again for a skin dog. <laughs> so cool. And then yeah. and then being invited by Peter Bell. Well, dude, first a horrific, freaking, crazy wipeout, broken neck, on a ten foot day. Yeah, like ten who would have thought that you would go through so much, you know? Yeah, I mean after everything I'd been through, yeah, it was like that was not even in the wheelhouse that day. I just anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But things happen, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you should be on that show. I shouldn't be alive because yeah. that, that would be a great episode. It's a phenomenal show. Yeah. They do reenactments about people that just live through the craziest stuff. But to hear anyway. that he did set work yeah. for the Mor- uh, Moriarty movie. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't even use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. I'm so mad about that. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it all worked out. But, um, yeah, incredible. I know you got to work. I know. And yeah, thank you so much. Dude, dude. Sean Dollar, yeah. this is well worth the wait. Yes. Hopefully we'll share waves again at uh, Surf Ranch. Anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. 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 Yeah. Anywhere except for Mavericks hey. or Cortez. Yeah. Sounds good I will not be yeah, your toe partner. there either. But I'll share. Or that other secret spot. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Sean Dollar. Thanks, Peace. Guys. That was fun. Thanks, dude. That was good. Bonsai Bowls, hands down the best bowls, period. Seven locations, two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bowls, go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill, clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You can also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste, 
and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade, Shade. Sunscreen. <laughs> Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at inherentbummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.